welcome to episode 55 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Kalati at Gelati LOL. With me tonight, John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? And Chris Chung at Prime LOL. Evening, folks. Back after a bit of a hiatus there. He's been real busy finishing up the school year. And uh, I think Calvin's gave us a two-week window. I think he's got two more weeks left at work, and he'll be back. And... Uh, I think we'll probably uh, Josh was supposed to hang tonight too, but I think something came up, so uh, no Josh tonight. So we're just rolling three man crew tonight, three of the OGs. <laughs> so there's only one match really this week. Uh, I don't want to say there's one match that matters. There's a couple matches that matter, but there's there's one match in the major regions that still matters this week, and it's the LPL finals. And because of that, uh, we're going to take a little bit of the, we're going to take this show and do a lot of listener questions. We're going to recap what we've seen in the playoffs so far. Uh, discuss a couple news items and call it a show. There's not really, there's not not a whole lot going on this week uh, in in the major regions anyway. It'll somehow um, end up being our longest show of all time anyway. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a six hour show. It'll be a six hour show. We'll have to divide it into three parts. Release it. It's gonna be the, the, it's gonna be like War and Peace. We're gonna have like a novel that's like this thick and everything. So yeah. So. Um, First of all, so we're we're gonna get to the listener. I'm, I want to reverse the order a little bit this week. So we always do like the the news and the listener questions and stuff like that first. I think let's recap the playoffs we've seen so far. We're gonna talk a little bit about EU Masters and then we'll do listener questions at the end. I think let's mix the flow up and that way we'll see if we can keep ourselves moving that way. Just to just to you know switch it up. Why not? Right? Okay, I accept your challenge, Gelati. All right. Are we, are we are we gonna try to do the the optimizing search engine optimizing with our podcast try to get this exactly an hour right not that we've ever been about that ever <laughs> i've never talked about anything for an hour in my whole life it's always been, it's always been longer than that so um i haven't watched a lot, admittedly i haven't watched a lot of eu masters uh, like i'll put it on here or there like if i'm you know put something on the background but i haven't followed it John, I know you're really dialed into you, Masters, and it's like your like one of your favorite tournaments of the year. It's like weird March Madness, right? Yes. Um, what's been happening in EU Masters this week? I know we, we touched briefly on it last week, just like a general big picture look at it. But uh, we're moving into the main. Well, actually, we're into the main event now. Um, but uh, anything? What, what are the big happenings going on? Who's hot? Who's cold? Who's yeah. disappointing? Let me just give you some like general takeaways, kind of big winners and big losers, maybe teams that have looked better than they were supposed to or worse than they were supposed to, players of the same vein. Um, I would say the biggest winner is the Polish region in general. Uh, Kick Neosurf has looked really, really good. And then Rogue, after kind of a disappointing first week, just came out and 3-0'd today, um, beating some pretty good teams in the process. So those are the two Polish representatives. Uh, specifically from them, I think on Kick Neosurf, Pookie Style, and Raxo. Um, Ice Bisto, who has been around for the last couple of years and has always been pretty good. And then Pookie Style and Raxo have both really stepped up this season uh, or this uh, this year. And then on Rogue, uh, Mystique's, their support, I think, has been really, really good. Woolite, we know from the past in the LEC. Mystique He's, uh, played for somebody, didn't he? Yes, I think he, I think he has played for an LEC team before as well. Let me have a look real quick. Oh, really I got to keep going. Uh, XL. Yeah, it was XL in 2018. But he's been, yeah. He's been fantastic so far. Um, I'm really impressed with him. Uh, the big losers, the UK and Ireland region has been uh, underperforming pretty hard. BTXL went 0-3 in the first week, including losing to the Italian team, which is basically unheard of for 
a team that's, uh, you know, basically an academy team for an LEC squad and has five guys that have all played in the LEC before on it to lose to the Italian team is like pretty rough. Um, Fnatic Rising is the other team from that region and also has not looked great. Uh, they are two and one at the moment, but they haven't looked fantastic so far. Um, some other teams worth mentioning, Mouse Sports, I think, is arguably the best team in the tournament, along with Kick Neosurf. Mouse Sports has Leader and Jeskla and the legend himself, Promise Q, uh, Obsessed, who's been in the LEC before. So a, a good a squad there. I think, yeah, I think they they have a reasonable shot. Um, team, I did not see, if this match happened, I guess maybe they're doing it tomorrow. There's a tiebreaker that needs to be played in Group B between LDLC and Vodafone Giants. Um, but those are two of the big favorites every year. Like, Giants are always a, a team that comes in with a chance to win, and so is LDLC. And one of those teams getting eliminated before the playoffs is going to happen. So that'll be <clears throat> that'll be interesting. Um, on LDLC, I think Tinks uh, is a guy who's been around the last couple of years and should definitely get a spot either in the LEC or LCS. A small side tangent, but this is where the NA needs to be looking for players. This is what I keep saying. Like, Tinks would be a top three jungler in North America, and he's playing in EU Masters right now. Ice Beasto would be one of the best top laners in North America. He's playing in Challenger right now, like in, in EU Masters. Like, this is where NA teams could come and find guys that would be, like, at least top five in their position in NA and get them for no money at all. Like, none of these guys are getting paid anything right now, really. They're getting paid, but not not real money. So just a small aside there. Um, Shulka Evolution hasn't looked too good, which has names like Gilius, who you would have seen before, and Neon, Sir Nukes a lot. Um, they haven't looked great. In general, like I'd say, I'd say, you know, there's a lot of play-in region teams like the Italian region, and there's Energy Pot Wizards who have become a, a big fan favorite but aren't going to make the playoffs, I would guess. But I'd say the two big favorites for the tournament are Mouse Sports and Kick Neo Surf, and from what I've seen. Wait, no faith in the EPOP Wizards? Aren't they like... No, I, think the, uh, I think the Wizards are on their way out here this this week. I think they might come down to Earth here. A Wizard is fanatic. never late, John. <laughs> All right, they so like... Fanatic. So, who... Let's go... Let's we'll, we'll do like quick hitters. We'll do like headline takes, right? So, uh, favorite, to, favorite to win the tournament for you. Who's going to win the tournament? Um... I'm going to say Kick Neo Surf. I think Kick Neo Surf's been the best so far. Okay. Uh, dark Horse? Like, not like a co-favorite or like the set. Like, who, who, who would be like a Dark Horse? Um, given how things are right now, there's still some chance that XL could come back and win this tournament. And they're 0-3 right now. So I think that makes the best the best Dark Horse, probably. Okay. Uh, best performing player, like, in the tournament. Oh, that that one's tough. Probably Pookie style from Kick Neo Surf. He's been a guy that I'd never heard of going into this tournament, and he's been probably the best AD carry in the whole tournament so far in, in an event that has Kjarnan and Jeskla and Deadly and all kinds of guys that we know. So, How about uh, biggest underperformer in terms of the uh, team? Oh, it's a definitely BTXL being, a like I say, an LEC challenger team and being 0-3 with five guys that have played the LEC before, like losing to the Italian team, yeah, that's just completely unacceptable for an LEC academy team. Biggest under underperforming player? Oh, no doubt about it, it's Bando. There's, um, on the LDLC, uh, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about Bando today, but uh, Bando has been straight awful, and like, LDLC is, you know, a team that people thought were going to be one of the favorites to come in, and, like, every game, it seems like he's literally on the other team. 
Like every time they get an advantage, it's like, oh wait, Bando's caught out in the middle of nowhere on the other side of the map, so now they're at a disadvantage. He's doing the shy impression. Oh, he really is. It's been awful. Uh, so yeah, definitely Bando. If the, I said on Twitter earlier today that if there's one person that's definitely never getting into the LEC because of this tournament, it's Bando. So, all right, that's a, that's a, so we'll do. I'll do. I'll do one more for you. Uh, I guess it's probably just the same player, but player most likely to end up on an LEC roster next split that isn't already announced that we're going to talk about briefly. Somebody who hasn't already been in the LEC, maybe? Yeah, somebody somebody more. who's a, a new player that we're going to see in the LEC from this tournament next split. Or if yeah, you had to put, like, who's the most likely, be, you'll see. Yeah, I think it would be either Tinks or Pookie style, both of whom I've talked about before. But those, yeah, I think those two guys are two guys that have never been in the LEC that are very good. All right, cool, cool. I think that's, like, a good... Yeah, good general big, big picture summary there. So, um, yeah, that's EU Masters. If you, it's it, the EU Masters games are fun to watch because these teams are just some of these teams are just crazy, like they're just nuts. So if you, if you like seeing something a little bit different, uh, a little off the off the beaten path, it's a it's a really fun tournament to watch. And again, this is a lot like March Madness because for a lot of these guys, they don't. Some of them don't even necessarily have any intention of going pro. They're just very good and and. It, this is like their. It's like college. This is like the last game they're ever going to play for some of these guys. So you end up and with some the, of that, and it's a good mix of that, young and old too. The thing that's the biggest for me is that these teams more than LEC teams, although LEC teams and LCS teams do too. But these teams more than those teams have their own identities about how they play, and they have different champion pools than like the LEC teams just play what's good right now. And every once in a while, G two might bust out something crazy or whatever. But for the most part, they just play whatever the twenty five meta champions are. Whereas these guys are more than willing to just bust out some weird stuff, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, this guy has two hundred and ninety seven Yorick games this season. He's still he's going to play Yorick every game, like stuff like that." Which is why it's one of my favorite events. It feels guys, almost like the middle or bottom of the table in the LPL, like some of the some of like the or like the old yeah, like it's it's a lot like that where the LPL the teams have a much more solidified identity and they don't change it's like a slow tide as opposed to you know always adapting yeah and you'll see stuff get banned and you're like what like why are they why are they banning why is zed getting banned or you know like some champion like that like oh that guy likes a zed one trick he's third in lpl or third in chinese challenger and on <laughs> zed. Like, oh okay fair enough that's a lot more of that which is just always a lot of fun that's awesome that's fun all right so yeah so that's that's you masters um LCK uh, finals. We we already talked about all the other um, playoff matches, uh, and the only thing that happened since we last recorded was the LCK finals. Genji and T one, T one, just absolutely dominant. Is anybody else just really tired of playing an entire season just so we can go like, man, they could really beat them just for T one to just three zero them in the finals? Like, is anybody else just really tired so, of that? This was I was kind of like I don't know. It's weird. I I I, I had T one. Future, so I was like happy on that end, but it just felt like a huge underperformance from Gen G, right? Like I don't even think this was like draft mistakes necessarily. They just, well, I think there were things that you could nitpick. I don't think it was anything like totally egregious in the draft. It was stuff that I personally didn't like, but they just got outplayed like through and through. It, there, there was no point really. That's what I mean. It happens every season now. It's like <laughs> ever the whole season is like it's like we follow the same roller coaster every time. We look at T1's roster at the beginning of the season and we're like they should be a very good team, but I don't know if they have the best roster in the league. And then about halfway through the season they've lost some matches and we're like, yeah, this isn't going to be T1's year. They're not it's, they're not on the same level as some of these other guys. And then they just 3-0 the final and crush everybody. <laughs> Getting sick of it. 
Dude, it's just like the Patriots. I'm telling you, the Patriots will have like two losses like every year, where it's just like, oh yeah, they lost to like you know Tennessee or not, not Tennessee. They'll lose to like Dolphins. Yeah, they'll lose to the Dolphins once a year, like they always do, or like a, or the Jets will get a game off of them or something, and then just like come and trounce everybody. So I, I don't know, man. I, I still do think just to remove the results a little bit, because I don't think you can totally be res- like define a whole season on two series, but they did go six and zero against mm. the other top. Like we call it, we, we, do we all agree? There was like three elite teams in the LA, in the LCK, right? Dragon X, Gen G and T one were like clearly better than the field. Yeah. Right. Or they were at least a cut above the field. And I think like from there it was like KT Damwon were like the next step down, but they were like clearly better than those two. Uh, it's just, they, they still went six and zero against the, uh, like against Dragon X and Gen G. That's insane. How much does that say about like T1's organization though? Like it says so much about their organization because who who walked into this season and thought Cousin Kana is going to be like a super dominant jungle top duo? Like nobody in the I world. Thought, thought. I thought I thought Cuz I was kind of it's weird. I was kind of on the on the on the side of like I was airing on the side of Cuz. Like I thought that could be like neutral like a like a lat like a uh lateral That was kind of how I felt. Like, like I think Cousin Clitter both extremely good. And they both have like certain champions that you just can't let them have, right? But Kana, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Everybody, everybody they, thought Roach was going to start the season, and they do it every single year, dude. I mean, how many different top laners has T one hadn't been successful with? They had yeah. fucking Marin and Dooney, and, and Hooney, and they've had everybody on that team and been successful with all of them. And like, when have any of those players gone to other teams and crushed? Like, almost never. Like that organization's got to be just insane. I don't think you can't say that the people haven't gone to the other teams in Crush because there's a like, lot. Of con, there's a lot of T1 well. products that are doing very, very well. Well, like Marin con, disappeared when he left. Marin was good for like two years in the LPL. He wasn't he was like right. that good, but he, he was, was still on, very good. Scout was, was an L, was a T1 product. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was talking specifically about top laners, but like oh, Untara, yeah. Untara really has was not great for a while. Like he's been fine, but he he was not like on a great team or doing great. Yeah. At any point, Marin was never successful after he left, even though he was fine. There's like it seems like they've had like Hooney. 15 top laners in the Hooney last. He was few successful, years. but he also moved to Europe, so it was like kind of weird. Yeah, different different setup. But anyway, they're just saying their organization must be absolutely fantastic. It's incredible. They, they managed to do this every single year. It's it's. It's honestly, it's it's absolutely remarkable to, to have this kind of longevity in esports. Like it's, you, I don't know, it's really impressive to me. And I, I mean, maybe, I mean, is is it somehow going under like underappreciated that Faker's been there this whole time? Like, yeah, and he's even managed to like kind of take a back seat. Like he's always been great, but. He was when T1 first gained notoriety. It was because he was so much better than everybody, and now he's just a good mid laner, like above average, solid mid laner. I mean, still really he's he's still very good, but he's you know he's, he's not, not he's not solid. blowing everyone out of the water. Yeah, yeah, he's not just crushing everybody the way he used to. I mean, even we forget that even like Teddy and Effort was still kind of questionable when they came in. We weren't a hundred percent sure that was going to work out. Like just everybody that they brought into that organization has just overperformed, and Faker's just managed to go from being dominant to just being very good and the team has stayed uber successful i just think it's incredible and like maybe it's it's a classic case of like a good player makes all the other people on your team better right like Mm -hmm. maybe it is just that but 
it's it speaks volumes that he's seen so many different iterations of this lineup. All sorts of different subs, all sorts of different metagames, and he's always good. He's always good. He he's I don't think people put enough weight on how difficult it is to stay on top like that. Oh yeah. Like he's seven years into his career. That's He's seven years into his career, and he still are. I mean, you could make an argument from being the best player in the LCK this split. I don't think that was the case, but you can make an argument for it. Yeah, it'd be reasonable. And and it's he's he's done everything. He's been good at everything. He's played with a number of different players. He's played a number of different styles. Now he's doing it with another coach. I mean, hell, this team brought Elam in, and Elam looks good. The backup jungler looks good. <laughs> yeah. Like what? They everything they touch turns to gold. It's incredible. I th- yeah, and like, I thought effort was effort was one of the best players in this series. Yeah, it's been a, it's just unbelievable. It's man. it's crazy. They, it's I mean, it speaks volumes to having good management, right? Having a scouting department, having a talent development, like people to develop these guys. Because all like I said, like all these trainees have gone and been successful. It's it's nuts. Scout yeah, was crazy. the third mid laner on that team. Yeah, and look at like Scout's one of the best players in the LPL. <laughs> it's like. And we can talk about that in a second because he did not have a great series in that, but we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I, I still think – I don't want to hold too much against Gen G and, and Dragon X, but I do – I think Dragon X played a more competitive series. I think Gen, Gen G – I don't know if it was just like the, the cold – like they were just cold from not playing, but like they just – they looked like they were just stunned. Like they got rolled over, and it was just oh, you could just tell from like the first game that that series was over. It was just going to be a oh yeah, out. like that's exactly how I felt. It was like, dude, yeah, they're just they don't have it today. Like there was some weird missed execution. Like they looked they looked rusty, and I, I, maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe it was just they were off that day. I'm, I'm not going to hold it too much against the other top teams. I still think it's going to be a clear top three, but it does say something that T1 went six zero against them in matches this season. So yeah, that's kind of nuts. Uh, Speaking of LCK, we had the promotions. Uh, we have our first relegation was this morning. Um, we're gonna talk in more detail. Yes, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk in more detail about it. But uh, Griffin out of the LCK. I'm gonna leave it there for now because we'll answer yeah, this. We'll question. come back to that. We're one gonna come minute. back to it. I don't want to keep moving right now. I'm gonna get totally derailed. Um, Team Dynamics. Dynamics look good, and there's some familiar faces on this team. This isn't so. This was why I wasn't – I didn't play I, – I haven't bet any of the promotion tournament because I, I just couldn't get a read on any of the stuff this season because it felt like – all this stuff felt like APK to me where normally you have like a generation of younger players, right, coming up and you could tell the story that, okay, the younger generation's usually a little bit better. Um, the veterans have to use their veteran savvy to, to – to get an advantage or get better, like have their better practice be an advantage, be able to adapt over a five game series, etc. Right? This it wasn't the case in in Korea this split where it wasn't like these are two. It wasn't like Griffin and Damwon and Sandbox who are coming in with like five young studs, and they're like a young team. They're motivated and everything. Like three fifths of both of these teams are are grizzled veterans that are like six seven years into their career. Yeah, guys, so, they got. Real- last year yeah so it's like that's why i didn't it was hard to get a read on this one because it wasn't like okay this is like a slow train coming kind of situation where it's like okay damn Juan and griffin these are the young guns you set all 17 they're all gonna just roll through everyone so i couldn't get a good read on it this split but i mean so like cerebral and dynamic dynamics are officially in 
Um, we have Cerebral and Sandbox play tomorrow, right? I think it's tomorrow. Um, yeah, for, play, yeah, yeah. Just to see who stays in. Um, I That match, I don't know. I, I think Cerebral's going to get in. I did not think both the Challenger teams were going to get in this split. Oh, not even close. The first slate of DraftKings where it was the two LCK teams against the two Challenger teams, I hard stacked the LCK teams. I mean, we're less than a year removed from both Sandbox and Griffin being top LCK teams. Yeah. Like, Sandbox was a top LCK team last summer as well. Yeah. it's We're, we're not that far removed from both of these teams, and they're not that much different lineup-wise than they were when that was happening either. Yeah. So, Which, again, we're going to talk about a little yeah. bit later because uh... – I've got some choice words for a certain organization that begins with G. So, <laughs> and it's not Gen G this time. So, um, yeah. So they play tomorrow. I, I don't know who's going to win, but yeah, it's dynamics look good. They look good, yeah. and they look like they're. I like teams like them because they have an identity, and they don't really care what the meta is. They just do what they know they're good at, which is always like a like a breath of fresh air, especially in Korea, which is so like. Oh, we're so metagame centric and everything. So it was it was good to see them kind of just doing their thing, you know. So LPL playoffs. Um, let's see. So we have to go back all the way to EDG RNG. I'm gonna pull this up. Let's pull the bracket up. So we had EDG RNG. Oh yeah, Josh. Has, Josh has joined us. What's up, Josh? Maybe his mic's muted. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, there he is. There he is. So, um, you're just going to have to hop in. I, I yeah. Just the oh, yeah. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Bright-eyed and <laughs> Don't worry. I've been there. It's all good. <laughs> um, so, we had EDG RNG. Uh, I mean, I, I did a huge breakdown on the blog, basically just ripping RNG's coaching staff apart as hard as I ripped TSM's coaching staff apart and as hard as I'm about to rip Griffin's coaching staff apart. <laughs> so, uh, drafting. They lost They drafts. Like, I feel so bad for this team, and I don't know if Uzi's the solution. Like, do you guys have thoughts on, on, on if that's the case or not? Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if he's, like, the solution, quote-unquote. Like, they just bring him in, and they're, and they're a top team. It seems like there's significantly more problems, which is weird, though, because they do have a, a pretty strong lineup. They have a great lineup. Like, Longji's fantastic, and, and Jiaohu's managed to hold up pretty well over the years, and Ming's, you know, a top 10 player of all time, probably. Yeah. So, it's like, yeah, pretty pretty wild that they couldn't find any success, even with Betty, who I thought played fine for the most part. It definitely did seem coaching issues. XLB's champion pool kind of got hit a little bit hard throughout the course of the season. People figured him out a little bit, but yeah, just another performance from them. I, for sure. I really do think legitimately that the players have like next to nothing to do with why they've been bad this season. Like this is like, I, I, I can't usually say that because usually it's a, it's a blend of two. It'll be like, Oh, 75 drafts, 25 players or 75 players not executing or whatever. I really do think legitimately that they, they they're entering every, this is TSM. Like, do you blame the players for T? I mean, certain people will. Do you guys blame the players for TSM's mishaps this split? Well, how much do you think the players haven't like get a choice? Yeah, like, that's, a of, that's what like, I don't know. Like, like how much is Yahoo just being like, "Nah, I'm playing a collie this game. Get out of here, coach." Like, how, how much? How much of it is that, and how much of it is like the coach just being like, "No, you're playing this guy, and they have to do it." And that much we don't know, unfortunately. Like, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Like, you can tell in certain situations. Like, if they're doing a thing consistently, then you can usually tell. It's like, okay, like, this is intent. There was intent shown, uh, like, over a course of games. But, like, I really do think that, like, 
this is the the parallels between RNG and TSM are incredible to me. It's the same team in a different region. Like I think it's actually comparable to to Team Liquid as well. And to kind of help answer the question, like we saw Liquid what yesterday or two days ago announced they're changing their coaches partially based on the drafts, but we've heard from Doublelift things like on streams that are not good about drafts that you would think like most players would just like universally agree on. Um, so I do think there could be some of that at play. Like I think, I do think sometimes players just have a worldview view of reality in terms of like what's actually good uh, for drafting and things like that. Um, Cause there have been, there were drafts that he said he thought they won that I thought it was very clear they lost. And if that's, I, and I do think that, you know, like I think LS has talked about sometimes like players do call out what they want to play in draft oftentimes as well. So like, you'd be like, Oh, this is a good counter when they're thinking kind of like in a vacuum as opposed to like how it fits to a team. Yeah. They're so. not thinking big picture on stuff. I don't like, I, I really do think like if, if you guys haven't gotten a chance to check it out, but like the, the, the co-stream that LS and double lifted of the FlyQuest series, FlyQuest Cloud nine series was kind of illuminating as like even ignore all the context of all the shit that's going on with 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 double lifts right now just use that as an exercise for how pro players like to like how they think like there were like they basically disagreed at all points in that game and it you know sometimes went one way sometimes went the other so it's just kind of a good like peek into how how these guys think but get, just bring it back to the LPL here like uh, to me it's so hard like it it's so hard to judge a team when you see that they're just like they're handicapped. Like they're playing, you know, with one hand tied behind their back. And this team still was pretty good. You saw when they had like the few times they had good drafts, it was just like TSM. The few times they had good drafts, they just stomped. So I don't know. RNG. Uh, and it, here's another one. Here's the other interesting parallel. If Uzi plays similar to double lift, is there at least going to be like a more narrow direction to at least give them a direction to, does that help? Does that hurt? Like there, there's so many angles with these two teams that I find that I find similar. It's like super interesting. Like, uh, so EDG, EDG win this series with, uh, honestly, Audi was really good all playoffs. You can go to, I don't know, we want to go to the next series, which was uh EDG FPX, uh, fun plus one, but I I thought I thought like three of these games were really competitive too. Like this was a more competitive series than it looked. And again, like Audi, where did this come from, man? Like he was good during the regular season, but he was even better in playoffs. He was really, I mean, I know a couple of these were like Baron steals and highlights, but like even outside of that stuff, like he was good in both of these series. Who was the biggest problem in your opinion on EDG? Oh, in the playoffs, it was Scout. And okay. like, don't get me and don't get me wrong. I know what I just said about Scout, but like in this in these series, it was Scout. He was the weak link. That was like the last last podcast or two podcasts ago. I was like, Scout's been garbage this season. You're like, hold on a minute now, hold on. Yeah. No, but, no. So like, he was not good in the last like half of the season and playoffs. He made he made a lot of like just really dumb mistakes in in both of these playoff series. I don't. He, he probably lost in two of the games out of these six losses or these four losses. Like he probably and lost them. Yeah, because I'm with you, dude. I'm a I'm a you know I love Scout. He's been around forever. He was so so good for so long. But this was a really tough end of the season for him. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see where that goes. I still think like you got to give some credit to that core of scout and Mako for, I mean, Mako still got it. That's, there's no doubt there, but uh, yeah, I, I think EDG 
considering like just to put a punctuation on their whole season, like considering all the shit that they went through with between like the season itself just being weird and like all the health issues and the subs and the emergency sub and I'm assuming a language barrier and like doing all that on the fly that fast and still being this good against the, a field that's as strong as this is really impressive. And I, I think we shouldn't ignore that. Like, I don't think this team's going to like fall back to like, they're going to, they're not going to crash. They're going to be a playoff team next split. I think last question regarding EDG. What do you make of uh, Jinu and Gigi not playing? Because I was super confident. People were asking me on Twitter about their first matchup. Uh, who's going to play because Junjia and Audi had played the last match of the regular season. Yeah. So people were asking me who was going to play. And I was like, I'd be really surprised if it's not Jinu and Gigi. And they just didn't even try them really. Like they just went with Junjia and Audi and yeah. played it out. Gigi was... played uh, two games or one game. He played, I think yeah. he played the last game of the, the FPX series, but like, here's the I thing though. Th- this, this didn't feel like they were losing their job to me. This felt more like they were just riding a hot hand. Like maybe Audi was just crushing it in scrims and that, that showed up. He was really good. What this felt like to me. And I just wanted to get your take on this. This felt like there's a number of players across the globe that this has happened to this season. And people are not equating them the way that they should be in my opinion, but the shy has not looked good this season. It's because the shy is a super aggressive carry top laner. And this is not a good meta to be a super aggressive carry top laner. It happened to Viper in North America, and everyone keeps arguing with me about it. He's also a super aggressive carry top laner, and this is not a good metagame for it. But so is, and so is Jinu. And so I was wondering if that was what it was, just that probably that the metagame just didn't fit Jinu as well, and so they just decided to go with someone who like was a little bit more versatile on what they were playing. Same with Khan, like you said. Yeah. Honestly, but, I didn't think Jinu looked bad when he played. Like, they were fine. No, I, it, I would guess in this case it was either a hot hand situation I know people hate that. It's like it's the most triggering thing to hear. <laughs> I know it's like a it's it's like a bullshit cop out kind of answer, but like we don't know. Maybe Jinu had a really shitty week in scrims. We just don't know, right? But like I don't think he was, he looked bad when he was on stage. But it, it also could have been a game plan thing. Like That's Audi, Audi's like, a pretty versatile player. Was that it? Just allowed them more freedom in the drafts and more freedom, like strategically and how they wanted to play. Where Jinu was maybe better but at a more focused type of thing that they didn't really want to be doing. Yeah, That's like, kind of I mean, if you if you look at if you look at these two opponents, right? Like I would think that their coaching staff saw the same things that I saw. I mean, I, I don't want to assume anything about LPL coaching staff cuz what the hell, right? But maybe their coaching staff was just like, "Oh, we just want to stay versatile in the draft and win the draft and we win the game against RNG." And against FPX, they were like, "Okay, Gimgoon's like really good weak side. Do we even want to try breaking serve in that spot?" Cuz like that that's what you're trying to do. If you run like a carry into a good weak side top laner on a team that's versatile and able to play a number of different ways, like fun pluses, you're basically going all in on that. Like in not you, it might not literally come up that way and look that way, but between the edge you're going to lose in draft, like in versatility, and basically the tell that that's what you're going to try to be doing, you lose a lot of like equity, right? So you have to make it like it's got to be worth it. It's like rerolling in TFT, right? Like you got it, you got to make sure you're getting. What, getting something out of it, otherwise it's not worth it, right? So maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was a hot hand thing. Maybe this is their plan moving forward? I don't know. Uh, Jinu only played a couple of games. I didn't even expect him to be back for this season yeah. uh, at, at that time when he, they first brought him back in. I just felt like, like you mentioned, they've been comfortable with Elodie and uh, Junja, the whole split long. They've been doing fairly well. I mean, early split, they look great. Even with that comp, well, let me let me not take that. The early before the break, 
they were bad. After, they looked like one of the top teams, and then they just fell off because Scout fell off. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like they would uh, introduce Janu back more uh, going forward in the summer. Audi might be better served on a different team. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess we'll see. That's gonna that's gonna be one of the more interesting off season situations in the LPL, along with another one that we're gonna get to in a little bit. But yeah, uh, anything else on EDG? But let's go to the next one. Just I want to kind of blaze through these because it's been taking a little while. The other quarterfinal was Top Esports against WE. Top Esports just blasted WE. That was although I'll say was a game one in this series. Two of these games were pretty close. Um, obviously the one WE won. Uh, and then there was one other one that I thought was close, and the, like it, it was like the first like fifteen minutes were neck and neck, and then it was just a blowout from there. But like two of these games were just utter stompings by top esports. So, um, any thoughts on that? I mean, we got to see it was Knight versus Teacher Ma. It took them two games to figure the Syndra situation out, and I think that's why they lost the series. Like you have to assume, like if I'm WE, I'm not letting like even before this series. If I'm WE, I'm not letting Knight have Syndra. I'm not letting any good mid laner have Syndra against the kind of stuff that Teacher Ma plays because it's going to keep him pinned down in lane. Like that's the whole goal of playing it. So. It's going to disable Aurelian Soul. It's going to disable Pantheon and Twisted Fate and all this stuff because she's a plus matchup in all those, both macro and micro, like in lane and out of lane. So the fact that it took them a game of seeing it and then not banning it or dealing with it in a way, like a second game, like I think that's where they lost the series. Otherwise, this probably could have been a lot closer. But, I mean, you got to see. Knight just... Knight was an absolute monster in this series. Like, one of the best series by any player all year was Knight in this series. Um, I will say, this series opened my eyes a little bit. I had some debate on Twitter about the comps that the top was picking in this series. And since this series, I've watched a whole bunch of other games. And that combination of Lethality, Varus, and Corky is something that's been going around and crushing. Like, basically every time I've seen that comp drafted where they just, like, that poke comp with those two champions, it's just been absolute destruction. So I was kind of ripping top esports for, for playing Lethality Varus. I still don't think they should have been playing Jace, even though Jace fits that comp, but uh, I was kind of ripping them for playing that because I hate when teams that are better play comps that have more limited win conditions, in my opinion. But that, yeah, I'll, I'll turn my, my uh, eat, eat Some Crow on that one because that comp has just crushed every time I've see it, seen it since that series. The Lethality Varus is extremely powerful, and it's not like traditional poke champions because you can pivot off of it, which is what makes it really interesting. But it's also just powerful enough to, like, it just fits so well in uh, against, like, the things that are good right now. Like, it's just perfect. And it seems like you just need one other poker. Like, Corky is the one that I keep seeing with it, but just one other poker because the Lethality Varus cooldown is kind of long enough where people can reposition a lot. But if you have one other person shooting in there while Chase, you're... Grogus, yeah, any, anybody Kindred. else that poke with him, then yeah, it just becomes so oppressive when people are trying to gather around objectives and stuff. So, yeah, eating some eating some hat on that one for me. Yeah, it's extremely powerful because, like, it's also just insane in lane. Like, he just dominates against, like, pretty much every lane there is. Like that, the like LPL is already good at Tom Kench Varus. That's like the LPL special bot lane. They're already good at that, and now that you have this wrinkle with it too, it's it's oppressive in lane. Like if it gets ahead at all, it forces the other team to be extremely disciplined and and decisive with all their decision making. Otherwise, you just you just win a fight before it starts. So, yeah, I, I think this was the series too, Gelati, where you commented on Twitter about 
uh, top playing a lot of Lee. And then they do the same thing in the IG yeah. series. And like, I don't know how they're winning. Me neither. I, I don't know. Garbage. Yeah, at least so it I, is I think, crash. <laughs> yeah, right. I, right along with what John was saying, like, I, it's really confusing. Like, it, I guess they're just putting Carson on something he feels comfortable on, but it's very odd to me that they're, they're able to win with these. It's like sinnerish um, comps. Like, I don't know. I, Renekton Lee without Ivaris, like, I don't know how they're winning. Even with Jace, like, what, how? Maybe, how? maybe they are just that good that they're winning with Lee Sin. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's, yeah. the, that's the aspect that I haven't really thought about, but I, I don't like the Lee Sin. I still don't, even though they're winning. But There's I, a few of those champions that, like, I just really hate seeing. Rek'Sai is another one, even though Rek'Sai is, I think, much better. I think she's better than Lee Sin for these kind of teams, but I still hate seeing Rek'Sai. Yeah. They're, like, so useless past, like, the laning phase, basically, but good. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll go to the next one. Another top esports 3-1 against Invictus. Uh, dude. All right. We're going to – I guess we're going to talk about Invictus in a little bit, too, so don't go too crazy on them yet, but – uh yeah, there's a listener question, but I mean, Top Esports dominated this series. Like, I, I was it the last game or the third game went like was like real back and forth, and like I think like Top had a lead, and then Invictus had a lead, and they had better scaling, and then Top ended up coming out on top. No, that was the game Invictus won, but I thought Top was going to three zero this series. Like, yeah, it was we'll, that way. We'll talk about it when we get to the listener question. But 2018 IG was one of my favorite teams, if not my favorite team of all time, yeah. and I don't like this team at all. That's all, that's all I'll say. I, I thought they were going to lose. I predicted they were going to lose on Twitter. I thought it was going to be pretty dominant by top esports. Uh, every lineup I played in DFS that day was top. I did not think IG stood any chance in that series. <clears throat> I thought they were very fraudulent, like mentioned on the last podcast. Josh, Chris, any thoughts on this one? Like, top kind of just dominated IG. And I, yeah, go ahead. I guess for me, I did take a chance on IG because I thought they were trying something different. Like late season, they were playing not their IG style. They were trying to play slow. They were trying to play macro. They were they were just not doing their... And so I was like, oh, they're experimenting. They're going to pull something out in the playoffs. Nope. Yeah. It's just, it's just been downhill since, you know, 2019. Do they feel a little figured out to you? Like, I, we'll, we'll save all the IG talk for... for yeah, let's save it. For, I think, God, Josh. Yeah, I mean... To me, the biggest thing is just, like, I, you said it for the Wii series, and I think it's the same thing here. Like, stop giving Knight Syndra. I don't care how good Rookie is. Like, stop giving the dude Syndra. Like, this champion is permaban, and you're just giving it to him for free. Don't give good mid laners good champions. This yeah, just like, <laughs> like, Well, think about it. Like, if you're IG, if Rookie gets Syndra, you just win the game, right? Like, in your mind, you have to be thinking, like, we just win if he's on Syndra. Yeah, so like, they don't reverse engineer that. Yeah, yeah like, like, it's not that, that complicated, right? Yeah, and I I think that's big, right? Because she has the ability to completely nullify what was IG's win condition. Yeah. So, and I think that's what happened here, uh, personally. Other uh, than uh, is Knight to die the, every time. What was is Knight the best player right now? Is Knight the best player in the world right now? One I think. Uh, I think. I think Knight might be the best player in the world right now. I think Knight really Kanavi. Uh, honestly, rookie. I don't. I thought rookie was yeah. Uh, rookie's been really, really good this season. Um, uh, honestly, everybody on JDG who we're going to talk about right now. Um, yeah, Zoom's undefeated, right? Dwayne B's been ridiculous this season. Like we can't forget about that. Yeah, it's true. 
Uh, yeah, Jovi's yeah, yeah. been ridiculous this season. All the carry has been ridiculous this season. Um, JDG Fun Plus, JDG three O Fun Plus Phoenix. I don't think I I thought JDG had a good shot to win this series. I don't think anybody in the universe thought this was going to be a three O. No, I, I thought JDG was going to win, and I did not think it was going to be even close to a three O. Dude, I so man. So the first the first game was pretty cl- it was the first game and the second game was pretty close. There was one really really close game. And then like they go up 2-0 and Yagao takes the LeBlanc into what was it? It was into Syndra, right? I can't remember what Doimbi was I playing. I can't remember. Like he he counterpicked him. Rise. It was right. Yeah, he picked into Doimbi's rise. That's what it was. And he, like you're up 2-0. You counterpicked yourself. He knew he was going against Rise. Counterpicks himself and still just like big dick to the, the match. Like, just like completely like ended up going running away with that game. And for those that don't know, like, I mean, I went into more detail on Twitter about it, but like that matchup, everything has to go right for LeBlanc. You can win, it's not unwinnable, but everything has to go right for LeBlanc. And you need to get jungle help, and your team needs to not get into a straight 5v5 team fight. And he just took over this game. Like, he just completely took over the game. And I mean, what's he? Eight? I think he's 8 0 this season on LeBlanc. Yeah, and like Roberts mentioned, Zoom is, I think he's 18-0. Zoom's 18-0, yeah, he's undefeated. Absolutely incredible, incredible. I mean, all right, so FPX. Honestly, do we really want to hold too much against FPX in this match? Because I think JDG was just nuts. Like, JDG's just really freaking good. Is this an SK, is this like a T1 Gen G and Dragon X situation? Uh, I think a little bit, like, I think FPX has had some questionable drafts going back to even Worlds. Yeah. Like, th- they're forcing these champions for a Doimbi that, like, Nautilus mid, right? Like, it's in a vacuum, it's not a good champion pick, right? Like, I don't know if you guys disagree with that. but I agree with you. I don't think it is, and I think that they're finally getting exposed for it. Like Just like IG? Yeah, yeah, a little bit like IG. Um, and then also just, like, the versatility of Kanavi. Uh, like he pulled out graves, like what the hell? Like, and they they shut down Doinby's casting. So, like, I think on 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 that edge, like, yeah, absolutely, you could say uh, that it's partially just a JDG have been that good. But I do think uh, FPX, their their questionable drafting and team composition creation has been you know, kind of caught up to them a little bit. I think in the series, yeah, I, like I don't think it was like abysmal or like terrible. It just wasn't no. super good. Like, like it's just like they played fringe meta things, right? Like, I would even consider Lee Sin right now fringe meta. I do, yeah, I do. Rise is pretty fringe meta in my opinion. Yeah, um, and obviously, like Doinby's one of the best Rise players in the Twisted world. Fate, um, but yeah, like I, <clears throat> I think, I, I think that they kind of force some of that stuff sometimes, and um, I do think that like the draft matters so much. To, at, at this point, that it, it can just change who wins the game. It's weird that like I'm judging Fun Plus for being overconfident on picks, and then like Yagao intentionally self counter picks, and then just like body the game, and we're like giving him praise for. It. I mean, you got to give praise for that. This is Doinby. This isn't Golden Glue's rise here. All right, this is Doinby's rise. That's in- it's it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that, James- that was a ridiculous showing. Yeah, they look unbelievable. Um, all right, so finals. Uh, I mean, this is the only game we have on this entire slate this week. So, uh, 
So we have top esports short dogs at plus one twenty five against JDG minus one fifty two. Uh, we'll say the plus one point five for TOP is minus one eighty two, minus one point five is a plus one thirty five for JDG. So this is for me. I'm interested to hear other people's thoughts because this is interesting. But for me, this is a slam dunk JDG. I think JDG is winning for sure, and I'm even going to bet the minus one point five as well. Well, let's let's hear uh, let's hear your reasoning on it then. Does they just like night? is is unbelievable and will have an advantage in the mid lane for sure kanavi has been miles better than anybody else in the jungle so you got to give that to jdg 369 i think has been only just fine like i think he's probably him and him and karsa both have been just fine for me i think that uh tes's bot lane has been very good and knight has been very good and uh, I think Zoom and Kanavi will just absolutely run over the top half of the map. And Loken and Lumao are also very, very good. So I don't see – I see them being even better than TES's bot lane. So the only thing that TES really has going for them is Knight. And he did take over an entire series against WE. But I just I think JDG is just too good for them to be able to overcome that. I will say I will say that 369 played a much better series against Invictus. Uh, I, that was honestly – so I was on Invictus in that series. So I'll admit it. Like, I – it's public knowledge. Everybody knows. I was on Invictus in that series. One, because I got a pretty good number. And two, um, well, I, what I thought was a good number. <laughs> but uh, I was on I was on it because I wasn't confident about 369 against the Shy. Like, I wasn't confident about that top side, even though I'm not that confident in Leon. But that was my biggest concern in that series. So he had a much better series than he did against WE, where Morgan was kind of bodying him, which was a little disturbing, which is what made me a little bit shaky going into the, the IG series. But yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I, JDG, this kind of feels like T1 a little bit where you want to get cute and take the underdog. And I know top is like everyone's, everyone's darling right now because everyone loves, everyone's worshiping at the, at the feet of Jackie love. And he's been excellent. I don't want to take anything away from him, but I think it might be a little too cute. JDG look unreal right now. Yeah, Jackie Love for me has been has been good, and I think he's been a difference maker. Like yeah. I've seen these fights where he's done some things where I was like, I don't think they would have got that done without Jackie Love. Like I don't think Fodic was going to get that done. Yeah, but I, I, he's been like above average, but not incredible. Yeah, like, I really also think that there's like a lot of situations. There's a lot of situations where it's like it has nothing to do with him. Like, there's a couple spots where it's been like, okay, like, this was good play on him. This was good maneuvering. This was good positioning and everything. But, like, I just haven't seen the, – the problem is the stat sheet says otherwise. That's what it is. And that's why everyone's like, oh, my God, Jackie loves the greatest thing ever. But everyone's looking at that and, like, the highlight reel plays. To me, like, any good AD carry is going to clean up in those situations. So, to me, it's it's the consistency that I think his positioning has been – so much better than yeah. so many other ADCs I've watched the split. Because, uh, like, there have been a ton, and I mean a ton of fights, where it'll be, like, a literally a four for five, and Jackie Love has full health. Yeah. Or, like, a three for five. Like, And to me, that's a good sign of either they are focusing on getting him peeled immediately, or he's just understanding what exactly the other team has to do to try to get to him and figure out how to dodge before it happens. And I think it's, I mean, it's, it's probably a combination, right. And in, in all reality, but it's, it's been impressive, like just how consistent he has been with that to me. Yeah. And like I said, like, I don't want to take anything away from him, but like you want to use like, we'll, we'll use like war rating from baseball, right? 
Like, I don't think Jackie Love has been, like, a, like a 12-war player. Like, he's not like Mike Trout. He's just been, like, very good. He's he's great. He's probably a top 380 carry in China. I don't want to take anything away from him. But, like, I just think people, <laughs> people are treating him like he's the only reason they're winning. It's like, have you seen this guy in the mid lane? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Like, there definitely have been multiple fights where just watching in my bedroom, I've gone, like, they won that fight because – Jackie Love is that much better than Fodic. Like, if Fodic was here, they would have lost this fight. Yeah. So, the, so he's been a difference maker. But I, I think clearly Knight is is covering up some other things, too. Like, I don't think Kars has been very good at all. Part of that being because he's playing Lee, Lee Sin. Lee every game. <laughs> I don't think Kars has been very good at all. But Knight has been unreal. So, But Jackie Love has been, has been good, and he's been the reason that they've won some fights. I just don't think he's the main reason they're winning. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, Josh. I say, here's what I think it comes down to on that point, honestly, is <clears throat> I think the only actual like meta champion that Karsa can play and have fun on is Trundle. So, because like, I think his problem is like, he still thinks it's last year, right? Like he's playing these carry champions, like you said, Rek'Sai, Lee Sin. Uh, I'm sure he has a decent number of release games. Um, and just like with the way the jungle got changed in the offseason, it, it doesn't work. So it seems like Trundle is one he, played I think later on in the season that I think kind of fits that style a little bit because you literally just sprint around and hit people with a big old club so like if they play that instead of the Lee I think they'll be competitive um and potentially have a chance because he's actually shown some decent mechanics with Toronto too I think he had like a pillar to interrupt yeah. or something like that Unburrow uh, that I think John tweeted about or something like that and then um but if he picks Lee, I just think Kanavi is just gonna counter pick him in the jungle hard. Like this is one; of, he's probably the, arguably the best player in the world right now, Kanavi. So, I yeah, we're gonna we're gonna touch on that. Jungle. Yeah, so I think his champion pool, I think that champion pool differential is a problem. But I do think if there's a spot they can take advantage of it is mid lane. Uh, so we'll see. All right, let's go down the board. So you got team team JDG. Yeah, yeah. I, I made a pick of the week, JDG minus 1.5. I'm on Team JDG because I've got a massive, like, plus 1,500 future on it that I would love to catch. So. Don't we all, buddy? I love you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go, JDG. Uh, uh, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I'm taking JDG, but uh, much closer than given matchup. I think it's going to go all the way to yeah. game five. I do think this number is actually pretty good. Like, I don't think it's, like, too, too crazy. Like, I don't think this should be. It's about where I'd put it. So, I'm just hoping JDG win. So, <laughs> um, I'm glad we we were basically all on JDG before the season started too, which was kind of this is kind of cathartic, right? They look good. They had a good team even with Fodic. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we honestly we were we were all on both of these teams. Yeah, well, I Goodbye. kind of wax and wane a little on TFP. Anyway, um, so we're team team podcast team JDG for the podcast, right? Um. So let's do. I guess we'll go to like news and then we'll do listener questions. There was a couple news bits that came out this week, the beginnings of like the mini hot stove season. We're only going to have like less than a month off, basically. So it's going to be between that and like the travel restrictions and just like all the social distancing and everything. It's going to be really, really difficult for a lot of these teams to integrate new players. So, um, or maybe it'll be easier. I don't know. But um, so Huni and Grig got dropped from Dignitas. That's the first. Uh, big one. I think that was like the one a lot of people were talking about. Uh, 
With Hooney, the only thing I saw was them allowing him to explore other options. Did they actually drop his contract? So in the contract database that Riot has that's public, both Hooney and Grieg are dropped from their Dagon Toss contract. I did, I did not see that he was dropped. I just saw that they allowed him to explore other options. Yeah, and that's so. that's via Inven, so it's a good source. So yeah. quick quick follow up. They could John, resign, I'm sure, but Yeah. Quick follow up, John. Who <laughs> how <laughs> okay. I don't know how to ask this, but how do they make you a fan if they sign Viper? Who do they have to bring with him? Oh, that I I wrote their lineup on on Twitter. They got to oh, bring, was that big? Okay, yeah, they got to bring in Demonte, and they bring in Viper, and then they bring in Torre from uh, from EU. And ew, oh, it was Golden Guardians that I was originally talking about, but that's who they should bring in. Like uh-huh. whoever wants to get better, they should just bring in those three. Import tanks. What tinks? about jungle? Then? Yeah, Tinks would be great. Uh, there's some EU masters. Tarzan. Yeah, Tarzan would be fun. That'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah. Oh man. Um, any, any jungle talent is is tough. I would I would definitely start looking for EU masters talent. Uh, there's a there's a lot of more closers out there. I feel like like closer came directly from from EU and was an EU masters guy before. There's a lot more of those guys out there. Chris, what do you think? What I think. Who what was the Greg? question? I'm like, who who Greg? Greg? I mean, Greg is on his way out either way. I think they're very fine with going with the key. You mean the best uh, game playing top in NA Challenger? Yes. Hooney <laughs> will probably find a home somewhere, but, you know, I just I just don't see it with him anymore. His most motivated was last year. That's the best I've seen him trying to reclaim his former glory uh, be- before he came to NA. But uh, I think Hooney, you take Hooney to a team that's rebuilding – that is not planning on using their current roster like when they go for a, for a championship run because he's a great person to have on your team for like social media presence and he's hilarious and he's good in the locker room from everything I hear. Bring him in as like a veteran guy to go with some of your younger guys, but not as part of like a championship winning team, I don't think. That was part of my reasoning for why I thought Dignitas brought him in in the first place because Dignitas is really pushing to like brand up. Like they're really trying to do it and it just hasn't been working for them. But that um, contract, that contract. That, was I mean, egregious. a lot of that's baked. A lot of that's baked into it, though, right? Like they thought that he was going to be marketable, and he is. He's very marketable. He's a great. Per- I, I could see Hooney like retiring and just being a personality, like on the desk or streaming, uh, like doing like the sneaky thing. But I, I like what you said, John. Like he could definitely be on like a developing team as like the veteran. Cause I, I like I, he just he does stupid shit in game, but like he's not a stupid player. Like if you listen to him talk about the game, he's very smart, but he just plays too instinctively. I think, and that's like give bad him, right now. Give him the role that Cabochard had on Vitality this year. That's what I want. Yeah, Cabochard was with like four rookies, and he was just the carry top laner that was supposed to teach them how to be in the LEC. I do think a different meta game probably helps Huni too. Yeah, like that I could think actually. I think actually it could make sense to see Hooney go to like EG though, like a team that is contending. Cause like what you just described, and it literally just hit me when you said it. Cause what you just described is literally Jazuke. Yeah. Like it's legitimately Jazuke. And they, we saw them like kind of rein him in as a split went on. So that coaching staff kind of has familiarity with, with taking care of that. And I do think like, you know, Kumo got better. But I don't think he was what anyone thought he would be in terms of his potential. So uh, it could make a lot of sense for them to just like because I don't know how this contract works. Like if they drop yeah. it, I'm still footing the bill a little bit. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if it's like a buyout situation or if they're just going to eat like a like against the cap kind of thing or something. Like I have no idea. I'm assuming they just like they pay it him and it's done. Because uh, like a, a lot of these esports contracts are short enough, where I'm assuming that's the case. But like, I don't, he feels like a great person to bring in to light a fire under someone's ass. Also, like on a good team, like I, I think it's it's like one of those three things, right? Because I don't think he's just a guy you build a team around anymore, unless the meta goes to a place where it's like very hoony friendly. Then then you can go for it. But if you if you're a team, he's already gotten paid. There's a chance you get a really cheap deal on him if the contract's working the way we think it is. So maybe like a team like EG can take a shot on him, where it's like if it comes if there comes a time where the meta's really good for him, and all of a sudden you have Kumo and and him, and maybe the end of summer the meta's super good for Huni, and they end up making like a world's run or something like that. That could be really good if he ends up being like the if he's the worst player on your team. That's a that's a really good spot to be because he is still kind of a guy that can just take over a, any given game. Just not as frequently as he used to. So, yeah, it's any chance he goes back to LCK. I don't know who I don't know who you'd replace. Yeah, Ixu on APK. It's the only top laner I think you'd replace. Sword. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess I was thinking that maybe if Griffin was. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I don't know who he replaces. That's the thing. That would. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. It it does seem pretty bleak for us. I think Greg's just done too, but we'll see. Um. Over to Europe. Is this Chris or Crazy? Cray, cries? Chris? I don't Cray. know. Cries, I think. Cries. You guys watch a little more E-Masters than I do. Um, oh, no. He's from the UOL. He's from Uni- Unicorns of Love. Um, is So they picked up his contract, I think, or they're, they're picking him up from Unicorns of Love. Uh, XL is picking him up from Unicorns of Love, and XL is promoting special from the EU Masters team. Is it XLB? B, right? Is that what it is? BLX, whatever it is. BTXL? BTXL. Yeah. yeah B- no. And it shows how much of you matches I've watched, right? <laughs> and special is being promoted to starting. Vid. Um, this is via Jacob Wolf. So, we kind of wanted to see this all season, right? I think we were all kind of tired of Mickey by the end of the season. I was tired of Mickey by, like, week three. I was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think we were all thinking that Mickey was one of the biggest problems on XL. The biggest problem, and I kind of mentioned it when we were talking about this beforehand, is BTXL has sucked. And so if Special is having a really hard time winning games in EU Masters, then I'm not sure that we can really rely on him to be any better than Mickey. I mean, I don't think his team in EU Masters has played great for sure, but this doesn't feel like the powerhouse mid-signing I would have liked for XL. I would have liked for them to really shoot for something here with how good I think some of the rest of their roster is, but... Uh, it's it's something. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference to XL's strength. I think they're just going to end up in the same spot. Like they're going to be like probably like I mean I think they put this if if they did this during the season I would have said this pushed them in a playoff spot. I would have preferred them as as a playoff team, but they didn't, and they lost a couple two games, a couple games too many. I still think they were like the sixth best team in Europe, even though they didn't make playoffs. The record yeah, some, didn't show it, yeah. but um. I mean, the other thing is, too, like, if Special gets promoted here, it's probably cheaper for them because they probably had them under some kind of contract already. So don't rule out that they can bring someone in. But I think with the shortened offseason and everything, that the teams aren't going to mess around too much. They're just going to kind of keep it close to the vest. I, but, it, again, like, if I'm if I'm Excel, like, are you trying to make the playoffs? Are you the Philadelphia Flyers and you're just okay with making the playoffs every year and just mediocrity forever? 
or are you trying to make a splash, like do something? Are you just going to get dominated by Fnatic and G2 for the rest of – and probably Mad Lions for the rest of Forever too? Like, I I agree with you. I think you you got to make a splash. Like, go go pull leader. Go get one of these other guys from somebody. Like, just buy out a contract for some stud and try to make it work because you're just kind of basically accepting mediocrity at this point. Like, I don't know if, like, financially they just can't do that. Maybe that's the case, but – I totally agree with you. I think this is just, it just makes them a fifth or sixth place team and with no chance of winning the league. They should either commit to all or near all young rookies and try to develop for the future, or they should make a splash and try to go somewhere with this roster, or they should send Torre to Golden Guardians so they can can complete the lore of the roster. (laughs) Oh my God. Anything else on this one? No. All right. uh, Another, one other thing, and if you guys have any more, just feel free to let me know because. This is all I wrote down. Uh, NA is starting up a scouting ground circuit. So the scouting grounds, obviously, like they treat it like the draft or whatever. Um, they're starting a tournament circuit. Uh, this has been something that's been sorely missing from North America. As somebody that played, I mean, I wasn't quite at that level, but as somebody that's played like high ELO, not professional League of Legends, like in a team in land setting and tournament settings before, it's there's nothing. There's just nothing there. Like there's these 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 leagues that run. There's a number of these smaller leagues that are run. Um, there used to be uh, gopher lols like 10 years ago, like way back in the day, where it was like these weekend tournaments for prize money. There's just nothing. There hasn't been anything for years and years and years. So you have this whole crop of players that – I mean, we talked a little bit about it for the cast, but like between the LCS teams and their academy teams, how many how many professional players are there like in North America? give or take. We came up with, yeah, like, what, like 100, 150, maybe? That's not even all the challengers. And, like, I know we don't need to, like, have every challenger getting a spot or whatever, but there's just this whole crop of... There's 3-point-something million ranked players on North America. Right? You're gonna have, like, that... Anybody else in that, like, top 1,500 players, they're good enough to be professional players, probably. They're just missing you know, a chance to do it. And there hasn't been anything like Europe has all sorts of land tournaments, all sorts of minor tournaments, regional things. North America doesn't have any of that. So they're starting basically like a riot sponsored, like prize money tournaments for like independent organizations that like aren't LCS teams. So they're going to basically try to create like North American masters, which I think is a good idea. Cause there just hasn't been that for a decade. It's insane. And I, I honestly think that's, like, a big part. It's not the only thing, but I think that's a big part of, of why there's just less talent here besides, like, the actual population. There's just not these regional leagues, and there's not these – these. there's no competition outside of the very top. Like, are every other game has stuff. Go ahead. I was just going to say, are you familiar with the Cal system from Counter-Strike? In yeah, a little 1. bit, yeah. 1.6? Yeah. So for, for listeners that don't know, I don't know. League might be too big to do this is the problem. But in Counter-Strike – in, in 1.5 and 1.6, there was a, a set of tournaments called Cal, Cyber Athletic League, I think, something like that. But the point was, no matter who you were, even if you were a bronze iron player, you could sign up for Cal with your team, and they would put you in a tournament with other teams that were of your rank. It's kind of like what clashes in League to some degree. But it had a, a ranking system for every tier, going all the way up to Cal Invite, which was the best teams in in North America. So, but yeah. So we have like like just to 
save you from the dog a little bit, but like that's what the Gopher lols were. Go Gopher lol like Gopher had other games too. It was the same idea where anybody could sign up for any tournament. So, you know, if you and your you know, you and your gold friends want to go play this tournament, you're probably gonna get mollywopped by challengers in this situation in the way that tournament was set up. You're probably just gonna get whooped on, but like if hundred and twenty eight teams enter, you're probably gonna face like another gold team in the first round and then maybe you'll get stomped. But it was a way honestly when the pro league scene started, a lot of the teams played these go for lol tournaments. Like Curse, right? Curse got rock solid. Like these were teams that you would see at the top of these ladders and these bracket systems for these just independently run tournaments. And people saw, oh, these five guys have been playing together. This is a team besides like the ranked ladder. There's no ranked five, there's flex, but there's no ranked fives anymore. So like it's just it just gives this whole crop of potentially good players or player to, it gives those players motivation, right? Whereas a lot of time it's like, okay, like what am I really playing for if I'm not getting to like top 10 challenger? Like how the hell do you get noticed? It's so hard to get noticed from just your solo queue play. So I think it's just a good thing. I don't want to like, I, I, I think this it's needed this and I think riots needed to step up and do this. I'm glad they're finally doing it. it took a little bit too long, but you know, better. I think it's, ever. I think in the context too of the 100 Thieves, like they announced their next program, um, I, I think these are two really, really nice steps for NA. Um, and I think, you know, Papa Smithy was on Summoning Insights with, with Thorin, uh, and Monte Cristo this week. And I didn't catch the whole episode, but I know he had touched on how, like, he knew because of just the way that, uh, the NA is set up that, he can never really compete for one of the top tier players like a Bjergsen or a double lift. Um, and so that's why they're doing so much to invest in the future. So I'm hoping that this sort of extra step can also serve to like kind of reduce the parity in the LCS. So it's not always just liquid C9 TSM kind of run the show in terms of not even if it's just in terms of results, but in terms of like free agent acquisitions and whatnot. It's just like it's just a way to get your eyes on more players in like an actual tournament setting and not just solo queue. Like, yeah, maybe it's not a league format. Like, it doesn't have that kind of structure. But just like play tournaments. This is what like every other game has this, and league just hasn't had it in North America. It doesn't make any sense that they didn't have it. It's like really, and Hundred Thieves is doing this now. Cloud Nine has like two other teams that aren't their academy team, like just in-house scrim teams and like training teams. They've had that for a while, and you're seeing how that infrastructure is paying off. But like, it's just good to see an investment into the into the infrastructure a little bit. Like, not it's not necessarily like the literal like houses and stuff like that, but it's a window for newcomers, more or less. Like, it's like there just hasn't really been there. So, do they have like LCS coaches attend these things? So uh-huh. the the scouting grounds as it was now was like basically like they did like a draft. Yeah, right. Uh, where, yeah, like, the coaches attend it, and they have, like, these... They throw together these scrim teams, and they play over a course of a week, and they stream the games, too. Like, <clears> they've <throat> done that. Um, and they do it like a little mini draft, like a little 10-player draft or whatever. So... Okay. Um, they do... They have done that, but, like, this is just a way to get your eyes on more players. Maybe we'll have a five-round draft. You know, like, you can assemble... Maybe every team can assemble a new... A third team. And I think that would behoove a lot of these organizations to, you know... you don't, And especially with these... Like, you don't have to throw a lot of money at this. A lot of the guys doing this stuff, it's like, okay, like, they're either working or they're young enough where it's like, you don't even need to give them a lot of money. Just like, here's a coach for free. You know, like, I don't know. 
Um, I, I liked that a lot. Uh, any other news that I missed that you guys want to talk about besides Faker being on ice cream? I didn't put that one down. <laughs> that, was awesome. that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, so, we're at an hour seven. We have a bunch of listener questions. Let's fly through these. We can, we can like, two and three for one a lot of these because they answer the same question a little bit. But uh, anything else before we dive into this? This is going to be the rest of the show, basically. No, I'm good. There's yeah, there's a couple listener questions I want to go in on a little bit, but we should be able to fit these into about an hour. All right, cool. <laughs> I think we'll do faster than that. We'll see. We'll be finished before midnight, I think, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. It's currently 10 o'clock, by the way. <laughs> um, so, first, at, uh, and I didn't do these in any particular order, so sorry if whoever beat whoever to it. No big deal. At Real Mr. Mallard. Says, any chance Invictus makes some changes to their rosters after their lack of continuity down the stretch and what we saw against FPX today? This is the one I wanted to go in on the most. Uh, by all means, go for it. I, I, I think, have some thoughts. I think Invictus absolutely needs to change their roster after this season. And I think, honestly, it should be a, a fairly big change. And there's a couple directions that they can go in. And I'm interested if, if you guys agree with me on this. Um I think they either need to get rid of Puff, Southwind, and Leon, or they need to get rid of Rookie and the Shy. I think those those are two separate units that are playing two very separate ways and not working together at all. And you need to get one of those units needs to be replaced by a unit that works the way that they want to work. And I mean, I think on it, obviously they would keep Rookie and the Shy if they had that choice. But uh, like the Rookie and the Shy unit is is at its best when it's playing the way the 2018 IG was playing, where they're playing aggressive and they're skill-checking you and they're meeting you in the river for a fight that nobody else in the league is going to meet you for because they're that talented. And and Puff, Southwind, and Leon want to play a very standard, even slower, macro-focused, controlled style of League of Legends. And I don't think that those five are ever going to be able to interact correctly together to become like a really good team. I like where your head's at for this one, but I had one question that I just thought of, unfortunately. Um, I don't know when Rookie's going to get residency in China, and I just thought of this. So that kind of throws a wrinkle into this, because Rookie has certainly not been the problem this split. Yeah, like, no, definitely. In, in any capacity. He's been he's been nuts this split. But I agree with you that like the, the two-separate unit and two-separate identity thing is, is a real thing, but I think it kind of throws a wrinkle into the whole thing with rookie like potentially being like gaining residency i don't know he's how so long how does he not have residency he's i don't know for... it says residency korea uh i don't know see let, now i'm gonna look into this somebody else josh you have thoughts on this one i'm gonna i'm gonna continue looking into this so i actually i i kind of agree where with where John's head is at, but I do think that they can get a lot closer by just making a couple minor moves. Um, like, I actually think you could either do just the shy or just lay in. And obviously in that case, you can just get rid of lay in. Cause I do think the bot lane can play more aggressively and showed at times throughout the year. Like we, this team went what, like 17 and one or 16 and one in the regular season. Like, they, they, they know how to play together to an extent. Um, so I do think you could either just pick up a jungler, like I've seen Tarzan going around, uh, to, to IG. That would be, I think, a, an interesting experiment to do. 
Um, or I do think, you know, if you can get a good price on the shy on the block somewhere, um, I think it's worth considering getting rid of him for someone who can play weak side. And that's not going to just always shove their wave and always get kinked. Like he, it's just how he plays and, and it's been dominant in the past, but with, with so many things that kind of got nerfed in the top in between, you know, Klepto getting, getting rid of Klepto and then, um, just the, like John had mentioned a few weeks back, how it's kind of just shifted to a bot, better bot lane winning right now. Um, I think you could see him going for someone who can play the, the more traditional supportive, uh, you know, tanky ta- tank style ops. I, so uh, I looked a little bit into the residency thing and I, I, I think he does have res. It says residency career right now, but like by all the time constraints, he should have, Chinese residency at this point. I don't know. I'll have to look into that for next show. I don't want to get too bogged down with this. I want to keep moving, but like, I guess, do they need to just bring in another top laner to just keep the shy honest at this point? Because he's kind of like, we all know how good the shy is. I don't think any of us are denying that. I know he had a bit of a turbulent season this season. He was basically inting in a lot of games, but like, do any of us like deny the shy's talent? No. Not at all. Uh, when you talk about bringing another top, I was like, Duke? Yeah, like, <laughs> they had Duke before. <laughs> yes. And exactly. they kind of used Duke a little bit this way, where, like, every time the Shy would go a little too far off the deep end, they would, like, reel him back in by saying, all right, Duke's starting two games. you got to chill out, dude. Like, But it's, it's weird, because I kind of agree with you guys. Like, it's what makes him so good, right? It's like Nogari. Like, he is what he is. Now... Yeah, I was just say that's why that's why I think the options there, if they wanted to, that they could try to switch their style by getting rid of him as talented as he is. And I feel this pain, dude. That's me in solo queue. There's no, I mean, I just shove everybody under the way, but I'm just like you. I'm winning my lane, and then the jungler just ganks me 800 times. I feel you, the shy. But you know, if you're you're on the pro. I mean, the other thing to think about is like how much of this is just the LPL got better too? Because I do think the LPL is better this season. Like, oh, it, maybe they've just caught up to it a little bit. At least the top teams. From what I remember, most of the game plan has been to like shut out the shy. Every IG game that I've been watching, they've been making a concerted effort to dive him three men, two men, and it's been working to a point. I mean, they did IG still managed to win the game, but part of that is we talk about top laners, like like how this meta doesn't fit them, and the shy is maybe like a way more talented version of Huni, but he just doesn't bend his playstyle to fit the meta, so you have an issue with their. I don't think he's necessarily the issue. I just think that um, bringing another top leaner might not be a bad, bad idea. Yeah, even if it's just to just to like keep him honest, or like even oh. maybe bring it in just to see how it goes with the team, right? That's part of the reason that I felt like IG was fraudulent. Like one of the biggest, because like, Prime's right. Like almost every team has been targeting the shy and just killing him. But if you can't, if your other lanes can't take the fact that all the pressure is going top and use that to get an advantage, you know, a, a large advantage and look great doing it, like if you need the shy to be successful for your team to be successful, that's a problem. And that's part of the reason that I thought that they were fraudulent was I wasn't seeing the kinds of leads out of the other lanes that I would want to see if the enemy is going to devote this many resources to like dumpstering the shy. I so I wrote about this going into this series, and my read was: if you look at F, if you look at Invictus's record this season, and you look at their stats, and you look at their game record, 
they were, for all intents and purposes, a more consistent team if you just look at the wins and losses. Old IG would punt way more games than this game. Like, they would lose just random games way more frequently than this version did. But if you actually watch the games, they definitely got away with murder in a bunch of games this split. And you could argue that's a good thing that's them outplaying, and, like, you got to give credit to that. You do. But I think, like, they kind of came out on the positive side of variance, and that's why their record was so good. Because this team was not consistent. Like, at all. Like, they were not consistent. The way they were playing was not consistent. I mean, the way they were playing was consistent. They were doing the same thing every game. It just wasn't working. Like, they would just lose games because of the way they were playing, right? I, I think, I agree with John. Like, their record was fraudulent. I still think this team's really good just because the talent is ridiculous. But, I don't I kind of think it's a jungle issue and, like, you gotta bring in another. I think bring in just another top and jungle duo. Ning looks cooked. I don't know. Like, that looks like that to back. me. You take that back, Gelati. Uh, Ning is the best jungler in the world. It's ridiculous that they're taking him out. I feel the way that I feel about Ning the way that the LCK broadcast feels about what did. So, okay, that's fair. Uh, just one know. last thing. I mean, I, I agree with John. I think uh, that you either have to take out the old guard and introduce new ones, or you take out the Puff and Salkin and bring back Balan. For goodness sake, that guy's too talented to sit on the bench. Yeah, how the hell is Balan not playing somewhere? That blows my mind. It's almost like Nahum. We're gonna talk about that. Um, at the elderly who we are all familiar with, and he's the man, says, will Tarzan, Viper, UCAL, Tarzan, Viper, and UCAL find teams within any of the major regions before the summer split? So this is any region. I don't think it's going to be anywhere besides Korea because there's like two weeks basically to till the start of the season in the West. So I don't think it's going to be there. In the LPL, maybe. Uh, in Korea... I think almost definitely. I think two of these three for sure are going to be somewhere. Probably all three of them. They're just too good. Uh, and okay. not included on this list is Nahoon, who I think we, we should talk about too because it's another tremendously talented. Nahoon, I, I would I, legitimately – I said this to you guys earlier. I, I think Nahoon and UCAL are probably the fourth and fifth best, fifth best mid laners in Korea, like on a mechanical level. They're exceptional. And they would upgrade Afrika, they would upgrade APK, they would upgrade um, probably Hanwha, even though I think like Lava and Tempt are both pretty good. Like, all these teams could use any any of these players. Like, all the bottom half teams could take a shot on them. Um, yeah. So, just to say, I agree, and we should see all three of those guys in the LCK next season. Yeah, I, I don't think there's too much more to it. Like, I, I guess the only real question with all of this is, like, Maybe the players like what's the counterpoint to all this? Like I've been preaching coaching and everything, but like, is there a chance these players just aren't as good and they were just boosted up by how good Chovy and CB Max and Doran were and Lahens? Because I think Lahens is really good. So that's what is curious to me, right? Because like I do agree that I, like the coaching hasn't been there, but when you think about it, like if you just take a step back and stop looking at names, right? Like this is a team that lost. Uh, what, 60% of their starting roster. And that 60%, I don't know if there's anyone that would say, I mean, I guess, yeah, so I guess people would have said Tarzan was in the top three of the best players, right? But yeah. I think those were three of the four best players on the roster probably. Um, 
And so like you, ex- you we should have, like, like I think you wrote, this is, we expected them not to make playoffs. We didn't expect them to get relegated, but um, I, I do think it, it could just be that these guys are getting exposed, right? Like they lost literally the best laner in the world in Chovy. And if you have a mid laner that legitimately just never loses his lane, so powerful. The game is to, yeah, like for you to play, like you don't have to ever really worry about his laner coming to visit you on roams um, because he's just always able to hold them. He's like one of the best wave manipulators. So like, I don't know. I, I do think it's kind of hard to tell if it is coaching or if it is some of the players. Cause I, I do think that has to have some sort of impact from a player level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to say. Like if you took 2018 IG and you kept Rookie and the Shy and Jackie Love, and then you gave them a new coach and two other new players. You really think they're getting relegated from the LPL? Like, yeah, like they're not. I don't think there's any chance they're getting relegated. So it's pretty tough to say that there's not some player issues here. Like they kept 60 percent of the roster that was the first place roster in Korea. You would think that no matter what coaching staff they had, that they would at least not be in the position they're in now. So, yeah, you know what? I I, I mean, at this point, I'll just pull up the other questions that mention this, and we're just going to dive in on this one because like this is the big second other topic uh so uh at marco markov asked what happened to griffin um we're gonna get to that uh at suck it toby said yeah you like that said uh where will tarzan go- tarzan go next and i think there was one more i think that was it okay so um i think it's really hard to tell because there's so many layers to this right there's just so many layers like We've seen in traditional sports, we've seen in league, teams with a bunch of good players have a rough start and they just check out or they get down or they lose faith in one another or they just start playing bad, they lose motivation. That happens. We saw spike performances from Griffin that were like, okay, I thought they looked way too much like Jin here, but um, it's it's really difficult because like, yeah, at some point you have to ask yourself – where did that transition happen if it did? Because it's easy to say, like, oh, maybe these players just aren't that good by season's end. But how long ago did these players just check out, right? Like, that's the other thing. I was I was blown away by how bad they were this morning. I was absolutely flabbergasted. Because they had two winning drafts against a challenger team, mind you. And not, like, these aren't – this isn't a Griffin – or a Damwon or a Sandbox level challenger team either, right? They had a solid, like a draft, a clear draft win, like a huge advantage, and just looked completely clueless. They had no idea what they were doing, and, like, they just looked defeated. It was depressing. It was, like, legitimately depressing. Because, like, I saw these players six months ago at the World Championship as some of the best players in the world at their position. Period. Like, what changed? Are they, so, like, coach. I was just th- trying to think of, like, a, a sports example, right? So, like, the Warriors this year, right? Yeah. Like, they lost Steph, Clay, and KD, and now they're, like, garbage. Like, absolute garbage, you know, before the season got, you know, ended. So, like, it is that on Steve Kerr? That's a good – that's a good – That's a really like, good analogy. Because – Draymond Green is what makes it so great because Draymond Green was getting so much praise in previous seasons for all these intangibles that he did and stuff. But when he didn't have Steph and Clay and KD, he looked fucking terrible. So like, I don't know what's cursed, but like he did not look good this season. And it's part of because the things that he does well 
are only really that useful if you have some other elite guys on the team. And yeah. by himself, he just was not doing anything. So I think Tarzan we can point to for this. Because if you think about how Tarzan played last year, it was all about being the head of the boa constrictor, right? Like, I, I, all last season, I compared Griffin to a boa constrictor because their laners were so good at laning that they would just smother you out. And then all he had to do was be there to shut down the last ditch effort to break out of the chokehold. That's all he had to do. He had to be the head of the anaconda when the, the, whatever animal was in it tried to make its last ditch effort to escape. He was there to shut it down. And that was it. That's all he had to do. And he was extremely good at that. He, he was there every time. That's what was so good about this team was like he was there at every moment. It's like he had the soul read on exactly what was going to happen every single game last year, right? And that's what made them good. And then he also showed some different angles like being able to make plays on the jungle. But again, that was all helped by good laners. So I think Tarzan, you could maybe point to in this situation, right? Where uh, like maybe he was benefiting from good laners. We see this with junglers all the time. It's really hard to differentiate yourself as a jungler if your lanes are bad. It's very easy to look really good in the jungle if your lanes are excellent, right? So, Viper uh, showed a lot of versatility, played a number of different things. Again, dominant laner, but he had Lehens, and Lehens is still an excellent support. He was the best player on Hamwa this season, right? So, if you think about it that way, they d the, the real question mark is, is Yukal and Nehun, and why we didn't see Nehun, that's another topic we should talk about, but like, I could see with Tarzan, it makes some sense. If your lanes aren't winning lane every single game like Griffin was last year, it's pretty easy for him to look worse, right? Viper, I don't know. Maybe Lehenz is just that good. Yukal and Nehun, I have no idea what happened. And like they were, they had games this season where they looked good. Both, like, well, not both, but Yukal had games this season where it looked like Yukal, right? It's just such a weird situation. Like I, I, I said this morning. Like this has to be the most disappointing performance, like relative, like relatively speaking, right? Like obviously we had like Team Liquid this year, but like this has to be the biggest letdown relative to expectation that I've ever seen, at least in the LCK. Because we didn't expect this. I thought this team like okay, like I didn't like the H Dragon pickup at all. The coaching issue uh, for those that are keeping count, uh, H Dragon has now won like thirteen games. In his last eighteen months of coaching, <laughs> yeah, Jinair won seven games last year, individual games in eighteen best of threes. Seven. That's like Vict uh, victory five. Obviously, victory five. They won seven games. Count how many games Griffin won this season? That's three seasons. I don't know. I, I have issues with that, but it, it just. I'm I'm clearly holding back a little bit here because it just infuriates me when I see talent wasted like this. H Dragon has pictures of somebody sleeping with somebody's wife. He <laughs> has to. He just has to. Like, <laughs> how to, does right? this guy still have a job? Because like, even if you look at Jinner last season, right? Like, Jinner, there we talked about it all last season. There's no way that that Jinner team should have lost, should have won seven games. They weren't that bad. They had some talent. They had a 10-man roster of, like, probably seven pretty talented players that you could see playing somewhere. They never put it all together, but that team jumped out to leads on people and just didn't know what to do. I, blows my mind. I, like, 
I don't know. I, like, it's it's just, it's flabbergasting. And you heard the broadcasters this morning. LS was just like, what the hell? Like, he was basically just like, what actually happened right now? And I don't want to put it all on the coaching staff because you guys are right. Like, at some point, the players got to nut up and make a play. Like, at some point, someone has to be like, guys, what the hell's going on? Like, fuck this coaching staff. Let's win. You know, like, even if they have to do something like that. But And it's not like they had a they had they had an abusive coach last year, right? Like it's not coming from a great coaching staff. So you know, I it's I think it's clearly a downgrade, right? Like I th- I think almost everyone will say C V Max is a better coach, but how much of one is is very hard to gauge, in my opinion. And then, like at the other, like the, the other thing to think about is like wh- where do you draw the line? It's like I, there's only so much that coaching does, right? Like at some point, yeah. somebody on the in the game has to make a damn play and do something. Like I don't know if H Dragon's sitting behind there with like a whip, and we just don't know about it, saying that if you make a proactive play, I'm beating you. Like I don't know because that's what it seems like. Like the greatly reluctant fighters made last year's Griffin look like. Invictus Gaming. Like, <laughs> it's just the weirdest situation I've ever seen. It's it's nuts. And I've been spending, like, all day just trying to, like, digest and think about, like, dude, what the hell happened to these t- these players? Like, and then, like, I talked earlier about, like, at what point did the players just check out or quit? Or they're just, like, defeated psychologically? Because that, that today, that's what today looked like to me. Today just looked like they had accepted their fate. And nobody made a play. Nobody did anything. They just rolled over and died with your with your prof- are you your professional lives on the line? Or what eat? <laughs> Dude, I, it's just. I mean, maybe they all just knew the writing was on the wall, and like they were like, "I'm leaving this team after this season, regardless of what anyone says, regardless of whether we're relegated or not." Maybe all these guys have like some back channeled contracts set up or something with other teams, but because like, that's what it looked like, it looked like they just didn't give a shit. And that's not a good job audition, first of all. Like, that's pro sports. When people do that, you don't get jobs somewhere else. So, I don't know, man. This is – it's 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 got to be the biggest letdown I've ever seen because, like, that, that much talent – yeah. And I know it matters less this season, the individual talent, but, like, god damn it, this team has so many good players in their prime. So many. Any other comments on this? I'm going to hang it up because <laughs> – I'm, I'm just I could go on all night about this one. I'm not. The only thing I'll say is like I think Team Liquid was more disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you got to remember, you got to bake yeah. in expectations too. Like, yeah, I expected Team Liquid to like 18-0 and be the most dominant NA team of all time. Yeah, Liquid's <laughs> obviously more disappointing, but like I, I did say LCK. Yeah, like, I can't. LCK. I can't think of a more disappointing team ever. And like that was even knowing the coaching situation. And even seeing halfway through the season, holy shit, coaching wins games this season more than ever before, and drafting. And even still, it's disappointing as hell. Like, it's, I just hope these these players go somewhere and like just throw it in the face of this organization. We, we didn't even talk about this part either. How bad does it look now that this team let Kanavi go? This oh, team let yeah. Kanavi go. They screwed him out of money. Yeah, like, they forced him to go. Yeah, I guess like uh, should we we should give the background on this whole situation too because there's a lot of new people that hadn't that didn't know about this. So going into Worlds last year, there was a lot of drama with this team. Their old coach was apparently abusive. That was the first thing that came out after Worlds or kind of like during Worlds. So their coach left before the World Championship started. So they got top eight at Worlds without their main coach. That's how good they were. But anyway, coach was CV Max. Dragon X is coach now. Um, 
disagreements between the ownership and the managers had sword starting over Doran. That was a whole other angle of drama. Uh, and Griffin loaned Kanavi to JDG, like legally. They went through all the process and everything. Then they were like, oh, we want to we want to keep this guy, so we want to buy out his contract, right? Had him sign a contract where it was the buyout was like basically all to the team, and then he signed like just a garbage contract, basically. I forget the exact number. It was it was severe underpayment. Like he was being basically like League of Legends minimum wage, more or less. And now he's the MVP of the LPL. Like you, sc- honestly, maybe that's what motivated him. I don't know. Like, there's just maybe that's it. Maybe the players are just like this organization sucks. I went out. I don't know. This is one of the weirdest situations I've ever seen. You were talking about dysfunctional. God damn. I think one other thing I just want to mention before we move on is like, I think this is something that we've we've touched on multiple times, but player evaluation in League of Legends is like one of the most difficult things to get right just because of the situation in terms of like how team dependent the game is. It's very, very hard to actually tease out individual value. Um, And I think that that's highlighted in our discussion about, you know, we don't actually know if these players are, are that good. And I think it's just, it's tough to see that other than the, the, the very, um, you know, like the, the Jinner Teddy, right? Like yeah. other than the very, very edge cases, stuff like that, it, it can be very, very hard to, to tease out this stuff. So, yeah. And, and the other thing too, like I, I shouldn't throw all the shade that way, but like you got to think too, that like Tarzan was good. Tarzan was one of the best players in the world last year. Now maybe they were unable to see the context of that, which is hard. Like that's what this is. It's seeing context on context on context on context, like over and over and over. And that's really hard to do. It's hard to decipher all of that, even when you're in the room with them. So, ugh, Griffin, yikes. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Right. At <laughs> uh, Sakatobi says, uh, the biggest red flag or green light when looking at wagers. This is a good question. I like this one a lot. Um. Anybody want to take the floor on this one while I take a sip of water because my voice is dying from raging at Griffin? Um, I don't think it's that different from traditional sports. I mean, assuming I'm understanding your your question correctly, like just looking at a betting board and trying to decipher things just from looking at it. Um, traditional sports line movement is like always one of the most important things. Looking at how other people are betting. Um, I don't. What, what do you think, Gelati? You're you're. I would say our our most prominent betting expert so this is weird because like to me i i look at this in comparison to red lights and green lights on teams too where i'll see stuff on film that's a red flag to me and it might not show up on the stat table so for me like there that's an extra level of differentiation that you have to make but in terms of like what's sticking off the board it's the same kind of thing it's just value it's always value like it's that that much hasn't changed um it's a little bit different than traditional sports because the juice is way higher in esports because the books, it's getting better, but the books still everything's juiced way up. So when you see something that like in normal sports you you would attack like a two percent or you know like a four percent edge on something, right? In this, like you got to be a little bit more like a wider margin, like it's got to be more than that because of the juice, like you have to incorporate all of that in, right? Red flag, like green light, like it's nothing specific. It's just looking at the data you have incorporating film study into it, how I think a game's going to play out, and then seeking value, just like wooden traditional sports. Honestly, like, unfortunately, this answer's really, really boring, but I do like the question a lot. I uh, think... Good. I actually I actually think I know partially where this may be coming from, 
um, from the DS, DFS landscape. Uh, we, we talked about last week how people are always trying to explain things. And um, with the whole weigh-in situation in the LKL, there was a lot of extremely late line movement going on, like right before um, DFS slate locks, right before actual game times. So I think that that could be um, maybe where this question is coming from. And, you know, I think, you know, line movement, like John said, is always going to be important. Uh, I think we're a little bit disadvantaged in these Eastern uh, regions being able to just stay up that late and watch the lines like a hawk. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think it can be indicative. And, um, you know, it's tough to tell you know, how big the move has to be to indicate something. But, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's there. It's part of it. Yeah. I think, I mean, this, this could be a whole nother discussion, but I tend to think people way overvalue, not line movement, but they overvalue like where people think money is Yeah, in traditional sports all the time. Like make your handicap, look at the number. How does it compare? Factor in line movement. You want good closing. Like, closing line value is what you want. Like, that's what you that's what you monitor line movement for. You don't monitor line movement because this is where you think public money is. This is where you think this is. You can do it in terms of, like, getting ahead of it if you think that's how it's going to play out. Uh, like, if I see – I'm trying to think if there was an example. Um, like, Invictus. Like, I knew money was going to come in on top on that, so I waited, and I got a better number. I was wrong. I was on the wrong side of it, obviously. But that was a case where it's like – I was able to identify this number is way too big. Everyone's going to be all over top esports in this spot, and I waited. But yeah, I, I don't know. I have a very like agnostic to line, like I have a very agnostic point of view on this stuff because I I think that's like one of the most overrated things in traditional sports betting too. Is like, oh man, sharp money's here, or there's a public dog. Like no, like make the handicap. The number's the number, and try to judge where it's going to go, and that's where you do. Like you still want to get closing line value, but don't don't judge movement based on. You know, yeah. Like I always think that's like the most overrated thing because it's it's just lazy handicapping to me. Like that's uh, anyway. That's like a different topic. Um, also from Suck at Toby, uh, how high do you think this is good? I like this one. How high do you think a thirty-year-old player who just started playing can realistically climb on the NA solo queue ladder? Um, let me. The, I wanted to say something about this one. He gave us a, yeah, he gave us like a little bit of determination, didn't he? Yeah, he plays said he plays about four, four games a day currently and is silver two after about one and a half seasons played. This is I think this question is something that people vastly overestimate. I agree. I, like, I think like everybody when they come in when I talk to people, like after they've been playing for like two months, they're like, Yeah, I'll just get to like plat or like diamond and chill out or whatever. Like, it's really hard to get there. I've been playing League of Legends since like season two, and I play I've played a ton of games, especially like years and years ago and my best account is in plat four <clears throat> and i like i have a bunch of accounts that are in silver and gold and like i think I'm, I'm like pretty good for like that kind of person like a guy who plays kind of casually and doesn't put that much effort into it i have huge champion pools i can play like every champion in league because i've been playing for so long yeah I, I think people vastly overestimate this i think you can get into gold if you're playing pretty casually and you think you're very good and you pay attention to how to play stuff i think getting into gold or platinum should be about like what you can expect of yourself. Don't expect to find yourself in diamond or whatever playing casually. Even Josh, platinum would be high, to be honest. I was going to say, Josh, go ahead and take this one. Cause I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Cause you guys, I don't know if you guys know, like I used to just be a grinder. I used to solo queue grind yeah. like nonstop. If you go back for a little fun fact, actually, if you go back to the really early blog post, the reason I started the blog 
was I was creating statistics for my own solo queue play and metrics and measures and basically like checking my progress every month. And I would make a big long post every month about how I was doing. So yeah, that's how the <laughs> blog started. It's got a little, little history. Got just, <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I just started play. I, I like just, uh, I tried not to play this game for so long. Um, because like I knew A, it would be addicting, but also I've just heard like how toxic it is and it's really true. Um, so like I tried not to play this game forever, but I picked it up finally late last year in like November. And, um, I like, I just think climbing is so hard because of what we just talked about, about how it's so team dependent. Like, you can oftentimes get into your promo games, be on like a six game win streak and just be crushing it. You get in your promo games and you get someone that just types in the chat. Oh, this is my first game in two weeks. I'm going to pick some champion that you know is clearly no longer good and has been nerfed in that time. And then they just go Oh five in lane and you lose or you get into a game and someone drafts some sort of like troll bot lane and you can't dodge the game because it's promos. Um, and then you get knocked down 20 LP and you have to play three more games just to get back to the same situation. So like, I think climbing can be like incredibly difficult from that aspect. Um, but yeah, I, I would guess about what John said. Like, I would say if you're silver two, I think, uh, presuming you mean like, I mean, th- there's also no end insights to this question. So like, how high, high can they realistically climb this year by the end of next year? Um, I think, you know, I think gold is a reasonable expectation. And before Gelati goes in, I'll say something real quick, yeah. which is this is a great allegory for sports betting, actually. League is in the sense that no matter how good you are, you can't win all the time. And your yeah. win rate is much lower than you think it is. Like there's there's not people out there winning 80 percent of their games unless it's like a challenger player on a smurf or something like that. Like really good players win like 56 percent of the time or 58 percent of the time or whatever. Your edge is much smaller than you think it's going to be in your head, and it takes a long time when your edge is only six percent to really start seeing value moving up. So, but go ahead, Jelani. So, first of all, because you're only one tenth of the game, this is how I always used to compare it. You're one out of ten players in the game. You impact for the most part your opponent. So I always look at it as like a sliding, like a seesaw, right? Where if I if, if my lane, if I'm one-on-one against the other mid laner, I'm at max 20% of the game, at worst 0% of the game, give or take. Obviously, you can impact the map and do other things. But if I'm, if I'm 15% versus 5% against my laner every game, and you extrapolate that over a large sample size, it's not 80% win rate. You know, like, it, you're playing for small edges, just like poker or blackjack or sports betting, like, it, it, it anything. You're playing for small edges. Everyone thinks, seems to think that, like John said, like you just show up and you win 100% of your games. That's not the case, right? The challengers can do that because they're that much better than everybody. But like, just to give you a comparison, um, so I, I've peaked, I was like mid-diamond when I was playing a lot. And I was diamond for the vast majority, probably three-quarters of my, my playing career. I was a diamond, like low and mid-diamond level player. Um, I've fallen off a little bit in the last year or so, but... That's where I was for the vast majority of my playing career. And I would play three, four, five, six hundred games a season, which is, you know, two games a day. But it was concentrated, focused effort every single time. And you need to constantly be trying to improve. I lost my train of thought. I'm trying to think where I was at. Um, So four games a day, currently silver two. I, I think 
if you actually care about improving at this game and you have a process and you're studying and you're actually doing focused practice and not just playing, I really do think anybody can get to diamond. I got to diamond. I'm 30. I'm currently 32 years old and I'm confident that I could get to diamond if I just tried in like the next month. Like if I just played like five, six, seven games a day for a month, I'm confident I could get to diamond again. Right. Like I don't have any hesitation about it. One, because I've been there before and two, because like, I think that's where it starts to become a lot harder. There's like a cap, like there starts to be a mechanical cap. There starts to be, you have to play the good champions, but this whole thing about like patches and balance and all that, I don't think any of that matters as much as people think. Like, playing the best champions. I think if you just get good at something, like, just get good at one or two things, like, exceptionally good at one or two things, and then you're playing the game and not the champion you're playing, that's how you climb. I think, and I legitimately think pretty much anybody that wants to can get to Diamond. After that, it gets a lot harder. So, I would say, if you're at Silver 2 now, you got a lot of games to play. You need a large sample size. So, I could say, like, realistically, four games a day, like, probably Platinum, I think is reasonable. Like probably platform. I think they're four now. So plat four, I think is reasonable. Um, if it was like a full season, you were playing a little bit more than that. I could see diamond if you actually cared and put a concerted effort into it. But yeah, that's I could talk so look here for a while. But yeah, just for context, I was diamond three when I was thirty. So like that's it's not that far fetched. Like I don't think age matters as much until you're getting to like the very 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 top levels. And even still, there's older players that are that high. So. Um, I would just give two quick notes to anybody trying to climb in solo queue from somebody who never climbs in solo queue, really, uh, and is aware why they never climb in solo queue. The first one, mute all, baby. I've never done better at League of Legends in my life than when I started muting all. That way, my win rate like instantly went up 5% when I muted all. Second one, bliss. Uh, the second one is affect the other lanes. Like that That's one of the biggest things that, I, that I'm terrible at and is like why I'll never climb is I just want to win my lane, and I just want to shove the other guy into the turn and be like, I'm fucking better than you, buddy. You see, you're down 20 CS, and I'm taking turret plates, and you suck. And that's how I play. And because of that, even when I win my lane, I lose tons of games because the other lanes just lose, and I don't help them because yeah. I'm awful. It's also so, the game's a lot different now than it used to be. Like, you have to biggest, do that now because everyone's better. I climbed very fast when I started playing Pantheon, and I started just, every time my ultimate up, just drop in mid or bot lane and get double kill them. And I climbed super fast when I started doing that. All right, let's see. Um, Mike also asks, this is Bet Mike, by the way, um, long-time listener of the show and follower, so shout-out. Uh, he also says, who is the best NA solo queue player that should be pro? Uh, I So I used to be really dialed into this when I was grinding. Uh, I was really dialed into this scene. I was always following the top players to see, like, who's the, who's the, the, the top guy. I'm way disconnected from it now. I took a brief look at it this afternoon. Uh, I would say probably Tenacity, who coincidentally is on 100 Thieves next in that program that we were just talking about. He's currently number three, and he's 17 years old. So he's very, very good. Um, there's a couple other examples. Back in the day, it was um, XJ9, and um, it was Wild Turtle before he became a pro, because Wild Turtle was like the latter god for a long time. Fabby was like that. This is years ago, though. But yeah, uh, in, in Europe, I would point to uh, oh, uh, Tarzan is another one. I think Tarzan probably should be on a team. Yep. But I think he wants to be like a streamer personality. But he's extremely good as well. Um, in Europe, you have Magi Felix, who's on Fnatic Rising. So I guess he's the pro technically. Europe, it's a lot harder because a lot of these guys play in the regional leagues. So 
like wh- how you define a pro is a little bit different there. Um, I'm a little, uh, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit disconnected from this. So I, I did a little bit of cursory. I say t- tenacity is probably the best example that I found. I have, I, I'm like a super Twitch nerd. So I just watch streamers all the time. Uh, so I, this is actually a sick question. So the, obviously the, the first off, the easy answer is sneaky. Uh, so just throwing that out there. Fair. Um, yeah, so definitely sneaky. I think Tarzan is for sure up there. Um, he's like a very high level, has a very high level understanding of the game and it's constantly like top five. Um, and like, you know, he plays with all these pros all the time. Like he plays with Broxa, Core JJ. He's also been top of the ladder for years. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one that I think is a little bit of a sleeper. I, what are the age requirements for being a pro? I don't know. 17. Okay. 17. So the answer that if age is not a factor is Viper's little brother, who is also a one trick ribbon, uh, family, I guess. And he's actually a, a monster. Isn't he like 12? Yeah. He's, I think he's 12 or 13 years old. Uh, and he, I think he's like top 30 or something. I, I haven't looked at the ladder recently, but, um, he, he's, he's another kind of sleeper answer, but yeah, I, I think, uh, if you don't, if you don't include those hundred te- hundred next guys, um, there's a lot of them that are, that are pretty good players as well. I, I included the hundred next guys just because it's like a brand new thing, like it just yeah. happened. So like, and they made sense and picked them up. Uh, can Team Liquid touch Cloud Nine in summer? Can anybody touch Cloud Nine in summer? We'll just talk about that, I guess. Not anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, just tactical is. Good, but he's not double lift good. It's just the the team will have to change his identity. Broxa will need to. Are they going to play around Broxa? I don't even know how they can answer that question for Team Liquid. What they are they going to do? Changed coaches too. So and they did change coaches. I didn't think Kane was too. Uh, the drafting was pretty bad. It's it's this this that the Liquid TSM thing is going to be so fascinating come summer. So I'll just like. Says, is Team Liquid going to be top three? And how do we think of TSM in summer? That's like the last of, of Mike's questions. So, I think a lot of people are just like, TSM's the second best team because of Double Lift. I don't think it's because of Double Lift. I think he's, they're probably just the second best team because they damn well should have been this season. Yeah, we were talking about it last show, but the top three just doesn't change. Even with these moves, like the top the top three teams going into next season are probably the top the teams that we thought were going to be the top three teams going into this. I think EG's the wild card, right? Like if yeah. EG improve, like if EG can improve even more more than they did toward the end of the season, I think that's the, they're they're the one that could break that up. Yeah. Um, I just think like don't don't get blown away by the new shiny toy just because it's shoved in your face with all the content you're reading about it, right? Double is very good. We don't know if that solves TSM's problems or not. We don't know yet. We're not going to know until we see it, right? So we don't know if that's going to just mirror, like miraculously fix all their drafting issues and all their mid-game issues, like their transitional game. We have no idea. We're just not going to know. I think a lot of people have too much blind faith that it will. But I don't know. We'll see. Like that's the t- that's the short version of that. I'm just trying to keep yeah. these answers a little bit short. Um, you guys thoughts on that? Same. I would just I would just say that on the other side though. I don't think anyone saw 17-1 coming from Cloud Nine, and I think it's reasonable to expect a bit of a regression um, in that respect. Uh, you know, so you know, I, I think yeah, I think you could see one of these teams overtake them. I don't know if that necessarily means they're a better team, but. Um, 
you know, the meta is going to, going to change. We have some new teams out there and you never know. I mean, like these are fairly big changes. If, if liquids, you know, if double lift was causing a lot of issues, making bad calls, like, uh, kind of like, I think it was Dodo said in his note, um, if he was making calls that, that weren't good for the team or, uh, you know, he just didn't mesh and tactical is going to be a little bit quieter and play for the team that could improve their, their synergy vastly. And likewise, if, uh, I think the Washington Post article wrote that, uh, Biofrost and Kabe had terrible synergy. Um, and, you know, Doublelift and Biofrost obviously have, have history together. So if that's better and it opens up Bio to feel more comfortable with speaking and making calls, um, that help in the mid game transitions, then, you know, maybe it does make the change. So I, I think it's, I think it's reasonable to expect all these teams to be fairly close. Um, and wouldn't be surprised if C9 regressed a little bit. I wouldn't rule out burnout for Cloud9 versus not for these other teams because they're going to feel a little bit invigorated, you got to think, right, with these these changes while Cloud9 are just running the same thing back. In all likelihood, Cloud9 are going to dominate again, but I, I don't think we're going to see 17-1. and one. If they do, then... <laughs> if they do it's, it's and the region steps up, <laughs> then I'll be impressed. I'm a, I might be slightly different than you on that. I would take, if you offered me even money on TSM and TL versus Cloud9, I would take TSM and Team Liquid in a heartbeat. You think so? To, to win the summer split, yeah. I think the, I think both those teams massively underperformed this season. Yeah. Uh, and I think both of them are better teams than Cloud9 if they're playing at their potential. I Liquid, I think, has a, more, has a stronger chance of doing better. I just need I, I need to see TSM fix their issues. Like to me, their issues had nothing to do with talent level. Like to me, it had nothing to do with talent level or the players. It had everything to do with decision making and drafting. So it's the it's like, again, it's like RNG. It has so little to do with the players that it's hard to tell. Like I don't want to just be like, oh yeah, TSM is going to be better because they upgraded an already stacked roster because we don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, NA's should be more interesting in the summer, especially with everything on the line, basically. So, uh, next up we have at Pure Doyle One says thoughts on the state of LOL DFS going into summer. Uh, will massive prize pools remain? Is four three stacking? St- we'll do these one at a time, I guess. Um, I'll combine these. So we'll say. Thoughts on Lull DFS going into summer. Will the master prize pools remain? And does DK need to change the draft structure to prevent thousand way chops on big contests? We'll keep those three as like one question. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go in on this one. Yeah, being go ahead. Kind of like the DFS. Well, I guess Roberts too, but being a heavy DFS guy, um, I would expect, and I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, including a lot of the companies like Roto Grinders and the Action Network and places like that have all talked to me about this. I'd be really surprised if we don't end up at least twice as big as we were before this happened, we're not going to stay at this state forever. Once basketball and, and football and all those places come come back, a lot of people are never going to play league DFS again after that. But I'd be really surprised if we're not at least twice as big as we were, which makes for a completely reasonable, like size prize pools where you can make good money playing league DFS. Like I think the days of, they're not really being any decent upside or kind of gone. Yeah. The days of your 50 man, $50 entry things, not filling like the $50 tournament was nine players Yeah, before, before the boom. And like you'd win four times your money or five times your money. Like it was pretty, 
you can make money in the long run, but it was like not exciting at all. I think those days are gone. I think there's going to be good money to be made in it from now on, unless DFS just dies at some point, which might happen. But as far as like league DFS, I think you're looking pretty good. Um, they do need to change how the rosters are constructed. I I literally have emailed this about them like for five years, like the, the, that you have to change how these are constructed because there was days where the $100 tournament that had 11 players, half the field was on the same lineup. Like, you just can't have that. You can't have an 11-person tournament where five people are playing the same lineup. Everybody email uh, them. Everybody go at DK Assist. All this, just tell them. Everybody, everybody get on board. Go ahead. They need, to add, they need to add flex spots. You could literally take the way that it's set up right now and add a flex spot or two. I don't mind how many places. If you want to add two more positions, that's fine. Um, I, I think that it opens up a lot of strategies. Like, if you add flex spots, it even makes running, like, support captains in some situations a better idea dude it just because, blend what we had before what we have now yeah it adds so many options that i think it's absolutely the correct thing to do to add to add flex spots um we we definitely need the change it's it's so frustrating i don't know how many of you guys have had this experience but i've won the titan and friends of mine have won the titan a number of times and not made money on the slate or only made a very small amount of money on the slate um that's just so unfun like nobody wants that so, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it. Chris? Spam your representative. Tell them to, like, just annoy the hell out of DK. I don't, I don't understand how they can, like, make this a massive entry and increase contest size, but the structure itself is just... It's going to make people be turned off by this game. Like, we put in so much effort in building a lineup, and then you find yourself chopping with hundreds of people. Hundreds. Josh, I think uh, so. Two things. I think uh, one, the competition in the space from FanDuel now will help. I actually like a lot of what FanDuel's been doing. Um, I like that they make you include a third team because a lot of the time when we're talking about thousand way chops, these are happening on two game slates, right? So like you already only have four options to play. Oftentimes, there's a big favorite, so it's really only two options to play, and sometimes it's two big favorites, right? So, like, I don't think you can prevent that to an extent. The way you prevent that is what FanDuel has done, right, where they say you have to have exposure to three teams. And that makes you choose, then, a player from the team that you expect to go 3-1, the team you expect to uh, take a game off, or the team slot, right, which I think is an interesting decision that vastly decreases the number of ties. Um, I think about it also just like I started or, you know, my background's mainly in, in NFL DFS. And if you think about it, like a showdown slate, like sometimes showdown slates have, you know, massive prize pools that get chopped. And that's just because of the nature of having a limited player pool on a short slate and a salary cap, right? So I think there are ways to get around that that I've heard float around, like a salary-less game, like a game with no salary, um, which is, you know, an interesting wrinkle, I think. Um, I think, you know, making you have more exposure to more teams are, are ways you could solve it. But in terms of, like, going into the summer, I expect the massive prize pools to remain going into the summer. I mean, as far as we know, no other sports are going on right now. So, Just a couple of comments on what you were saying. Um, there's, like, I hate... FanDuel making you play three players. I understand why, like why that diversifies lineups. The problem I think is just something that hasn't happened yet, which I think people are going to figure out very quickly the most optimal way to do that. 
and then it's just going to be the same as playing a two-game slate on uh, on DK. Um, I do, I do like the idea, like oh god, I lost my train of thought. But something you just said really triggered like a salary. No, no salary. Yeah, salary list is good. Um, you will end up with people playing like just all the carries every time, which kind of takes some of the some of the skill out of it. There there are other ways to fix it. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Um, they need to limit the number of entries. You can't have it so that you can enter every combination of these two teams. Like that's what's that's what's killing it right now is people like Osimo and me are just going okay. I like Sandbox and Griffin tonight. I'll enter literally every possible combination of Sandbox and Griffin. There we go. And now there's 200 of us that have done that, and so we split 200 ways because we're right. That's if they drop the the tournaments, make instead of having the Titan with 20,000 people, have it with 7,000 people and run three of them. Or just make. Or just make bigger like they they've had some pretty big single entry contests, but I would love to see massive single entry contests. Yeah, or do a three entry max. Like I, I so yeah, yeah. that's what I've been doing. Like I'll put like a few lineups in in the Titan, like these big contests. But I've just been playing single entry and three entry because I don't want to put four hundred lineups in and chop it four hundred ways. Like <laughs> I just don't want to. Like I'm I'm not going to go up against John. I'm not like I'm not going to go up against guys like you because. And I don't have the hours in the day to do that. If you're playing DFS right now, by the way, in relation to this, uh, the single entry contests are way, way better. You're If you're entering the Titan right now and not entering like the $33 or the $20, like stuff like that, stop entering the Titan and enter all those other tournaments. I only yeah. play the Titan as my last resort of something to play. Everything else is better value. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just think, I think there's room to grow in terms of those single entry contests. I would love to see them even do... Like, uh, I know they're doing the online championship. Like, I would love to see them move away from a model where, and I think, John, actually, you talked about this with uh, the Roto Grinders rankings. I would love to see them move away from a model where it's based on, like, MME and, and like, these giant qualifiers more, more to one that's, like, a single-entry tournament, honestly, right? Like, we have two weeks of games every – it's, like, the plug challenge, right? And, and the winner at the end is the best LOL DFS player. Uh, or even a whole season long, right? That Something would be like awesome. That would be sick. And I think you can make these single entry contests a lot bigger. The problem is that with a single entry contest, and I don't know if this is a good or bad, but the the bigger it gets in terms of entries, the more incentivized you are to play non optimally. So like, there's a little bit of a hard balance there, but I, I still think it's better than. You know, the, going against people who are playing 100 lineups. Like, I would love to see them make a 10,000-person single-ender contest. I I don't know how many unique users they have, so they could use that data to come up with a number there. But I, I would just love to see bigger single-ender contests because the, the ones they have that are like 1,000, 1,300 people, they feel so quick. Just do – I want to see like a three-day like three tournament style. I would love it. Friday, oh, LCK and Euro – or I guess you couldn't because the game – differences or whatever but like lck friday or, or lec friday lec and lcs saturday lcs sunday build yeah. three lineups whoever's got the total points or do it by day or heads up on three days whatever you want to do like that that kind of stuff that is intriguing i would play the shit out of that like yeah i think uh also something interesting FanDuel did just today for the eu master slate was Something that they've never done, I've never seen them do in the past. And that, and this is a wrinkle that could be added, I think, going forward, but, um, it only really applies to these tournaments like EU Masters and Worlds, but they just took, you just chose your players and it took all their points from all three games today. 
which I thought was really, really interesting. You could definitely run an extra slate every weekend for LEC and LCS. That was just combine it. Yeah. That's just an extra slate, and it's a fun little wrinkle for people that played the other fantasy product that I won't name because their CEO is a douchebag. For anybody that played, <laughs> for anybody that played that product this season, that product was a week weekend long. You took players, yeah. and it was kind of cool adding an extra level of research and trying to figure out not just who was going to be good on day one, but who had a chance of winning all their games over the course of the weekend. And that's what I've said a long time, actually, is like with these world tournaments, is that like. They always split, and in like EU Masters drafting suit today, they always split it into three slates, two games each. What I think is interesting is if not even you just have one player and he accumulates, but you have pricing for each matchup, if that makes sense. So you see uh, today you would have seen each rogue player in the player lobby three times priced according to their different matchups, and you could say, okay, I want to play them against uh, Diffuse Kids and against LDLC, uh, I don't want to play them against Giants or or et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a very interesting wrinkle that could happen. I want double lifts against Cloud9, but I don't want them against Team Liquid. Like, just like – Yeah. Like, that right. That could be so, – like, double lift A and or double both. lift B. Yeah. yeah. Or both you build your lineup and with – Dude, with, the LCS sets up perfectly for that. It's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have 20 games – you could build so many different ways. That that would be fun. That would be a blast to try to build. I would love that. I agree. That, that's a great idea. Listen up, DK. Yep. Seriously, that this is the kind of stuff that they've never done in the past. All the stuff we're talking about here, all of it is worth looking I, into. I do yep. like that Fandle's trying stuff and just like yeah. trying to give them some competition and push the push the level. Like that. That's just healthy. I think. Just you got somebody else in there. I think if if DraftKings takes starts doing showdowns, those will be really fun. I, I have a lot of fun playing DraftKings showdowns for like NFL and FanDuel showdowns have been pretty fun. The, the one thing I don't like about FanDuel showdowns is that you don't have a salary multiplier or you captain someone. So DraftKings having that salary multiplier when they do their showdown format would, is what decreases the number of ties, right? So I think that'd be pretty interesting to see them do as well. That's interesting. Uh, you get a lot of, a lot of cool ideas there. So we, um, Doyle had, Two more questions, uh, really three. So is 4-3 sacking still optimal? So with that, I'll just really quickly say, yes, it's 100% it is optimal as far as like trying to get a roster that's going to accumulate the most points. Is it optimal for winning a large GPP? At the moment, no, not really. I mean, it's it's optimal for winning, but it's not optimal for maximizing the amount of dollars that you're going to win. Um, okay. There's just too many people running those lineups. They're too easy to construct now. There are still the ones that are most likely to win, but they're not the ones that are going to give you the biggest ROI. Uh, part of the big skill now is trying to figure out how to have differentiated lineups that are still kind of similar. Uh, is TSM with double lift an upgrade? Who cares? Next. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We already talked about the this. Same. Uh, we'll see. And I remain dominant. We kind of already touched on that one too. Um, I, I think. Yes, but maybe less dominant, just because I think everyone else is going to take a step up. So, I, I think I think they will have to naturally regress. It's literally like Patrick Mahomes; he can go from the MVP to Super Bowl champion and have a worse season. Does that make sense? He's just not going to throw fifty-four touchdowns or whatever. He's just yeah. going to throw forty-eight. <laughs> um, at Ryan, at Ryan 
Rankin Tour says, do teams like IG and FPX take these third place matches seriously or are they unpredictable because less on the line? So <laughs> I, I already explained the joke to him basically, but uh, I'll tie this in with that LCS picks who says, how seriously do teams take the third place match traditionally in the LPL, which has just become a meme at this point, And I love it. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I'm not, a, I'm not a fly on the wall in the room, which is why I usually stay away from these third place matches unless like, I just have a gut feeling on something like clutch last year. Like I just knew clutch were going to get in the worlds last year. They just wanted it. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think, uh, what's it called? Uh, I mean, if you ask John, this is the first t- time IG's played seriously all year, right? They finally played me. So <laughs> yeah, first time they brought out the real lineup. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, at Mr. Mailmanager says, where does G- – we got to have him on. We got to find a, a week where he's – I've talked to him about it. We got to have him on and find a week where he's, like, not working. Um, okay, we'll do that last. That's a good idea. We'll use that as, like, a pseudo sign-off because we run really long. At Fuhonky says, should NA be relegated? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Combine NA and CB Law. I would love it to see it. Combine all of the Americas. I don't think Seagull all is going to go ahead and you. I want to see Isser. Oh my gosh. I guess I miss her as futures, by the way. I just want to point that out. <laughs> and we already touched on. Who was it? It was at. Uh... Oh. One sec. I'm just going to. That's my fault. Deleted it before we shouted him out because it was a similar question. But, yeah. Uh, who was it? It was, it was Brendan Carr? Brendan yeah. Dar. At Brendan Dar asked yeah, about the DK pricing and stuff. So it was a similar question to Doyle's. Um. At Mr. Malmanager says, where does G2, Fnatic, Cloud9, and TSM, the new version, if it performs at its peak, finish in the LPL and LCK? I love these. Yes. This is like old summoning insight episodes. And yeah, this is basically our sign off, I think, but we're all going to have fun and strong opinions on this. So Uh, let me, let me touch on this one real quick because I I, I talked some shit to Mr. Malmanager about. You, uh, John, talking shit? No way. Hot, hot takes, although they're not hot for me. They're just absolutely correct. Uh, G2, G2 would win the LCK. Uh, they would win the LCK for sure. In the LPL, they would be top four. They would make the semifinals at least. They'd have a, sh- they'd have a shot to win, but I wouldn't say that they'd be guaranteed to win it. Uh, Fnatic would make the top three of the LCK. They would make the top six of the LPL. Uh, TSM and Cloud9 would not make the playoffs in the LCK or the LPL. They might sneak in in the LCK. In the LPL, I don't think either of them would make the playoffs. Those are my those are my hot takes. Would you say on TSM again? I didn't think TSM or Cloud9 would make the playoffs in either league. They might sneak into the last spot in the LCK. So you're high on TSM then. Oh yeah, I guess you already said that. We know that. Yeah, um, I, I yeah, I think TSM or Team Liquid is about the same or better than. Who wants to go next? I'll go next, I guess. Um, G two in the LCK would probably win. They would probably win. I think honestly, they would just be the fourth team in that elite team tier, but they'd probably be the favorites to win. Uh, I do think G two is that good. Um, Fnatic, I think, would be an additional team in that. So, if you had G2 and Fnatic in the LCK, I think you're, it would be the three elite teams, and then G2 and Fnatic, and that's your playoff teams. That's your five playoff teams. 
Um, Cloud Nine. This is so hard because like if it's all at the same time, I don't know. Like that's what's challenging. If you just put one of these at a time, I guess that's how we'll treat this, right? If one of these teams went at a time, I guess that's how we'll treat it. So, um, Cloud Nine, I think, would make the playoffs in the LCK just because stylistically they're a good check on how the LCK plays, and I think it's a it'd be advantageous for them. Cloud Nine, I think, would I don't know. The LPL is hard to tell. Um, they'd probably be on the cusp in the LPL. I could see them making the playoffs in the LPL uh, for Cloud9. G2 and Fnatic, I think, probably would make the playoffs. I don't know how high up they'd be. They'd probably be, I'll say top eight for G2 and Fnatic. I think G2's got a good chance of being, like, top three, top two. Um, Reasonable chance of winning it. Uh, Fnatic, I think, yeah, playoffs. TSM is not making playoffs in um, the LPL, I don't think. Cloud9, I think, would be on the cusp. Uh... And I think that was me, right? Did I cover everything? I think so, yeah. The real question is, how would G2 do in the TCL? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who wants to go next, Josh or Chris? I can, unless Chris is going to go. No, go, go ahead. I, it's really, you know, go ahead. Okay. I am taking a slightly different approach. Uh, so G2 or Fnatic in the LSK win it, and I don't really think it's that close. Uh, Cloud9 is the four seed in the LCK if they go. TSM's probably the five seed. Um, with, eh, TSM is battling for the five seed. We'll yeah, say. I think KT would beat them. Yeah. Uh, they're battling for the five seed. <clears throat> uh, and, okay. So in the LPL, uh, G2 win the LPL. I think, um, yeah, I, I think there's almost, no doubt in my mind that they win the LPL because they should have beaten the LPL champions last year and they just didn't. Uh, unlucky, but big agree. Yeah, um, and I also think G two is a team that's a bit of a product of their environment. And if they're playing against the LPL LPL teams for an entire split, uh, give me them to win worlds at like literally minus three hundred. Um, okay, Fnatic in the LPL, I think probably get. Third? Um, wow. Maybe fourth. I I think it's... I think Fnatic versus FPX, to me, is is a very interesting matchup. Although, I don't... The problem is... I, how does this happen to me every week that I just still hate IG? I, I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Every stinking week we get to this point in the podcast. Um, yeah, I think Fnatic is... For sure, top five, and I think arguably top three. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to stick on that one. I think Cloud9 would be – I think Cloud9 is very easily outside the top four between IGFEX, TES, and JDG. Um, I think they're probably worse than EDG, but I think they, they make the playoffs and could potentially take a game. TSM, I have them just a slight tier below. So, uh, again, I think they're they're battling to make playoffs, but I wouldn't expect TSM them to versus RNG for that last playoff spot. I think the only thing to like piggyback you, I think the only thing that stops me from saying that G two like auto wins the LPL is that the LPL has more landmines. Like in Europe, they can only really lose to Fnatic. If there was ever anybody that was going to beat them, it's Fnatic. Whereas I think there's like four teams in the LPL that are capable of winning a series against them, and they would have to play like two or three of those teams. 
which makes it a little tougher. But I think they're still probably the best team in the LPL. Yeah, that's that. That's kind of what I'm going off is just I, I think I think if if we're making a betting odds, I don't think I would make anyone more favored to win the LPL than G2. Is G2 the best team in the world? Yeah, that's my own question for you guys. <laughs> Go, ahead, Chris. I no, I don't. I don't have G2 as the best in the world right now. At least not this version. And maybe it. It may be like the whole Patrick Mahomes things that we talked about because last year they looked way better and then they got crushing worlds. Now, we already went over how a lot of that, so we don't have to reiterate. For me, G2 is probably top. I think they're better than IG right now. Um, tough to say between JDG and top. Um, I'm putting them probably third in LPL with a chance to win it. Um, they would need to... We're talking peak G2 right now. Peak is a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and then I don't have Fnatic that high. Um, maybe they'll sneak and play a bit better than RNG, current version RNG. Um, so that's kind of where I have Fnatic. Cloud9 and TSM, I'm not sure they can withstand whatever LPL, um, the, the current wave LPL plays. It's just any, I don't think they stand a chance. And honestly, I think both are out the the NA teams, both NA teams wouldn't make LCK playoffs, even at their peak. There's just, they can take off a few games, but I don't know if they can do so long-term and play that grind. Uh, it's just, it's just they, they, they're enjoying such an easy region that I don't see them fixing their mistakes. And they make plenty of them still. Um, in the LPL, I think they're better than Suning, both of them. So where does that put them? Right outside the playoffs? Right outside playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> right outside yeah. playoffs. Uh, yeah. So I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll just stick with that. All right. I always love these cross regional hypotheticals because it makes you have to identify what is an outlier, and like, because a team like a team from North America has to be so much more exceptional than the field that you're they overcome regional strength, like historical regional strength. So, like, that's just, like, one example, right? Like, I, I still think, like, while the gap's closed a little bit, but, like, it's it's just really hard to say, like, Cloud9 would show up and be competitive in the LPL because just, like, the practice they're getting is so much lower quality compared to, like, just, like, I'm talking, like, individual, like, solo queue. Like, they're not getting that level of practice. Now, I, I don't rule out that they could be there, but it, it's super interesting. I always like this stuff. Um, that could be like a whole off season show, like December or something. We'll have to fire up like the the hypothetical. What's the Thorn thing? He says this like the space aliens are coming to Earth, and you have to assemble a super team to defend humanity or whatever. Right? That's like <laughs> I think we did that last year. Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. So, um, no pick of the week this week because there's one match. I put one in there. I'm sticking to it. We're all in JDG. I have I have one quick question. So yeah. we. All sort of on board with the idea of one season, right? Yeah, uh, I am. Yeah, me too. So, like, what do you guys think of as an alternative? I know, Gelati, you were talking earlier about kind of like the tournament based method, but I know that like some of the other esports do like very tournament heavy focus, right? Like, um, I think CSGO is like this for the most part. Um, what if they just like got rid of for the most part like regional match play and there were just several tournaments throughout the year like 
four or five MSI type tournaments and then worlds. I think you can have a balance of both. Okay. Which is what Dota is trying to do now. Dota is basically like putting leagues, like domestic leagues all around. And they were there before, but they're like being pushed now by, by valve. So they're like really trying to get like, they're trying to find the sweet spot, which I think riot should probably do. In reality, I think it's, it's tricky because tournaments are a lot harder to run for MOBAs than they are for like, like certain other titles, I think, because just the length of the games makes it really tough to do. Uh, I think you could find a sweet spot. I think we could have like two minors, two majors and worlds and domestic play. That might be too much for the players though. I don't know, but I wouldn't mind seeing like play a, a full season and then just have like two week breaks where you go play or like three week breaks where you go for a week and play a major and then you have two weeks off and then you come back and make it like mini seasons, but it's all adds up. But I don't know. I don't see them changing the way they do it now, even though I'd like them to. I think they should stick to the, the season model that they're using now. I like MSI. I like Worlds. Um, the only thing that I would add, I would add one thing. Um, I would add something like the cup that they have in European soccer that starts at the very bottom and plays its way up. So if you guys don't know about it's the FA Cup, I think it is. It starts at the lowest league of soccer, and the teams play, and whoever the best teams are go into the next tournament up, which is the next level up, and then the couple teams that won from the lower level, and keeps going. Like, every team is in it, basically, from the from the bronze teams all the way up to the best teams in, in, uh, in England are all in it. And so I would like to see one like that that starts online where any five guys, like, in Clash can just sign up and play it, and it starts at the beginning of the year and ends at the end of the year with whoever has made it through this monstrous clash tournament worldwide and have the finals played live somewhere with the teams that won all the different regions. But starting from the very bottom, I think that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be really cool. I, I, now that you mentioned soccer, like how cool would a World Cup be? Like you the get. This re- is basically a World Cup. No. Oh, like actual like regions? Actual. Yeah, yeah, like, like starting Olympics? with the, the regions. So, like Carson represents Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did something That'd like this cool. like way, way long ago. Um, oh I mean, my the, god, you just be so sad. Well, you have the China, you have the China Ooh. Cup, or was it? They the, have the, the Asian Games. They have the, the Asian, Asian Games. Games. That's what it is. The Asian Games do this, mm-hmm. where oh, okay. all the teams are represented by region. But it would be really cool to see this in like Europe or North, even like North America. It'd be really, really dope to see. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, it'd be basically like the all-star version right but i think that'd be <clears throat> kind of interesting because you you would mess up a lot of the team continuities right like yeah. whoever the coach is like how the hell how do you how the hell <laughs> whoever the coaches of china like who the hell do you draft for it's weird because <laughs> yeah, i don't know they're, they're never going to do it because the money's not right that's why like yeah. the franchise like seasons is it makes them the most money which is why i don't think we're going to see anything change I would be ecstatic if they just added, like, another major just for a boatload. Here's a boatload of money. Go get the money. Like, go win the money. Yep. Like, I'd be down with that. That's basically what I wanted my cup thing to be. Yeah. It's just, like, just a an international event so that we have three. Because yeah. MSI is, like, seeing one team from each region at Worlds or at MSI is, like, shitty. Like, we don't get a big enough sample. But we we all just want sample size. I want I want groups I want groups of eight at Worlds too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I want to be bigger. 
Yeah. Yeah. Only reason we're talking about this is so that we can better answer this stupid this question that we got that we're just like all like, hey, a finger in the air. Yeah, because we don't know. Like it's like uh, it's all relative. So. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we we were memeing about this being a short episode, and John's like, now watch it be the longest, and it is now officially the longest. So we are going to get out of here without a sign off. I knew it. But uh, we somehow managed to turn this mailbag episode with one match on the slate into the longest episode of the year without power rankings. So, um, yeah, that's going to be it for us. You guys have anything else? Enjoy OPL finals on Saturday morning. And for God's sake, throw on Saturday morning. Stop asking me if they're tomorrow. It's Saturday morning. Check the schedule. I'm not doing and all the work for you guys. Listener questions. Thanks for the listener questions. Yeah, keep sending listener questions. We like those. We might have to dial it. I have to set up an email to send these to. I think that'd be easier. And then we'll have to limit them to like three a show so we don't go too crazy. But yeah, uh, everybody enjoy enjoy LPL finals. It should be an awesome matchup between JDG and Top Esports. Enjoy that. Enjoy EU Masters and uh, the LCK promotion tournament as well. And we will see you guys on the other side next week. Good luck and enjoy. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.